meeting of the Recreation and Park Commission, um, and I'd like to ask the Secretary to call the roll. Commissioner Buell? Here. Commissioner Anderson? Here. Commissioner Griffin? Here. Commissioner Halsey? Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. Commissioner Mazzola? Here. Okay, I have some lengthy announcements, so please bear with me. This is the Recreation and Park Commission meeting of March 16, 2023, and we would like to welcome everyone to our first meeting outside of City Hall here at Joseph Lee Recreation Center. I will begin with our commission announcements at this time. Thank you to Kim from the captioning group for providing captioning for today's meeting. You can enable captions on your device by clicking the closed caption button. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. Good morning and welcome to the Recreation and Park Commission. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person at Joseph Lee Recreation Center located at 1598 Oakdale Avenue with options to join and provide public comment remotely as well. We ask that you please turn off electronic devices and take any secondary conversations outside in order for the meeting to proceed as efficiently as possible. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Unless otherwise announced by the president, each person will have two minutes for public comment on each item. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available both in person and via phone. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending their meeting remotely. For in-person commenters who would like to speak on any item today, we request but do not require you to complete a blue card. Blue cards are located up at the table here next to the projector and you can bring them over to me. For those who would like to join the meeting remotely, you can view the meeting live on SFGov TV or via webinar using the link provided at the top of today's agenda. You may provide public comment remotely via our webinar or via phone by calling 415-655-0001 using today's webinar number 2494-380-6145 and webinar password 0316. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on call, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star three. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting, during which time the system will be silent. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Please address your comments to the commission during public comment on items. In order to allow equal time for all, neither the commission nor staff will respond to any questions during public comment. The commission may ask questions of staff after public comment is closed. If there is an item of interest to you that is not on today's agenda and is under the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, you may speak under general public comment and today that is item four and then continued at item 12. 
Alternatively, you may submit public comments in either of the following ways by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanyan Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. The following are short announcements for those of you joining us today. If the fire alarms activate, you can use emergency exits at the back of the gym here on, the left, on my left and my right or you can go up the stairs and out the door. If you need assistance out of the building, please come up to me, the Commission Secretary, and I will notify building staff. Restrooms are located upstairs, and you can take the elevator here or the stairs up there. Please note that this Commission meeting is recorded and will be available for later viewing on sfgovtv.org. We are now on item two, the President's <coughs> report. Thank you very much. Uh, first and foremost, I'd uh, like to acknowledge that we were joined this morning by Supervisor Shaman Walton. I don't know if he's still here, but I thank him for dropping by the Recreation and Park Commission. Uh, I'm also uh, hoping that uh, we get a visit by former Commissioner Eric McDonald. I'm told that he may join us today, and uh, so I hope so. Let me Let say me a say few words about where we are and what we're doing and, and pass the baton to some of my fellow commissioners. As uh, part of the department's racial equity action plan, the commission is tasked with expanding the ability of our members to hear from diverse audiences. One way we're doing this is by hosting at least one meeting a year outside of City Hall, and this is the first that we've done. So I'm happy to say it's in the Bayview-Hunters Point community. Thank you very much for welcoming us here. Today, after our regular meeting, some of our commissioners will also be sticking around to meet members of the public. So please feel free to say hello to them, tell them what you think about Rec and Park. And uh, as I always say, everybody has an opinion about their parks. Rarely do two people agree. So let us know what you're thinking. And I want to thank the city staff for helping us bring this technology to City Hall, uh, from City Hall today to this offsite meeting, including TV, our Rec and Park IT team, and uh, Herman Cortez from Good Sound. I'd like to also acknowledge Cafe Alma for the refreshments back there. I've already enjoyed some of them. I encourage you all to uh, take a look over there. And um, just as a matter of information, the human resources are over at a table that I'm looking at right over there. And there's job information for the Recreation and Park Department and a sign-in sheet uh, to get on our uh, commission email so you, you can let us know what you're thinking. Uh, Joseph Lee Recreation Center. Let me say a few words about that. Uh, first and foremost, we want to thank the individuals who made the meeting here today possible, including our own Rec and Park staff, including Jackie Battle, Ray, Ray Kelly, Kelly, Fulton Holt Mitchell, Mitchell, and uh, Sammy, Sammy Soon. Soon. Thank, Thank you very you much to all of you. you. Oh, oh, and Amber Dominguez and, and uh, Sean, Sean Joyce. Joyce. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. I'd also I'd like to express uh, our gratitude to the young people who made the signage behind us, some of the artwork that uh, welcomes us to the Joseph Lee Center. Thank you. A little bit about the center. 
the center, uh, the start of the center was in 1935 when the Recreation Commission, before it was joined with the Park Commission, budgeted $15,000 toward the purchase of the land here. That wouldn't pay for the architect to even come out and take a look at the place today. Uh, by 1943, all the lots within this block were purchased and combined into one mega block owned by the city. Plans for the project were approved by the Recreation Commission in 1944 at a construction cost of $302,000. Mayor Elmer Robinson dedicated the new building in June 5, 1951. The U-shaped building contained a gymnasium, club room, auditorium with stage, offices, locker rooms, and storage. The project was funded by the 1947 voter-approved Proposition 6, which funded $12 million bond issue for the improvement and expansion of Breck Park Holdings. The 21,000-square-foot 21, building was initially known as the Burnett Recreation Center, but the name was changed to be the Joseph Lee Recreation Center. And I didn't know this, but Joseph Lee lived from 1862 to 1937 in Boston, but was the founding member of the playground movement of the 1890s. So here we are today, good grief, uh, 130 years later. Anyway, welcome one and all. Okay. Now um, I would like to uh, introduce Commissioner Larry Griffin to make a few comments. Thank you, Commissioner Buell. Um, I wanted to speak just briefly and report to the community on uh, what's known as our affinity groups. Um, we have a black men's affinity group and a black women's affinity group. And they got together on the 28th of February and for my second time, they had a Black History Month celebration. And it was off the hook, as the youngsters say. Um, and just a little bit about these two groups. I've attended uh, all of the black men's affinity groups since I've been appointed, since I was appointed to the commission. I have yet to attend a, a black women's affinity group, but I think I get to do that next month because they're starting to meet together every other month, which is the way I think it should be. And uh, I just can't say enough about the guys that I've been dealing with. Uh, they're looking at all aspects of city, uh, of the city, job opportunities, how they need to train to, uh, to get to, for, in terms of dealing with upward mobility and helping each other deal with that. It's just, uh, it's a really, really positive thing that uh, I'm very proud to be a part of. Uh, are there any members of the affinity group here, men's or women's? Yes, we have a couple. There's a gentleman over there, over there, young lady over here. Some, and I'm sorry, I can't forget you in the back there. Um, just amazing folks, amazing folks. Um, and I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot more about them in the years to come. The luncheon they did was attended by the mayor. Um, and what did we have, 50 people there, Stacy? How many member? How many folks did we have at the luncheon? Ninety. I'm sorry, not fifty. Ninety. <laughs> A little off there. Um, and it, my first year in the commission, they didn't have it because of COVID, but they had it last year and this year, and I'm sure it's back to stay. Uh, 
So that's really what I wanted to report on, Chairman Buell. I think I'm handing it off to Vice President Anderson. Thank you, Larry. It feels really good to be back here. Some of you may know I operated a cafe for over three years, Word, a cafe. Still there, I handed it off to a woman named Carla who operates Roadhouse out of the space. So go see Carla afterwards. Um, we're in Women's History Month. The theme for 2023 is celebrating women who tell our stories. As women, we have been a central part in telling the stories of the women before us and passing those stories down through generations. As your commission vice president, I have the privilege of sharing just a part of the story of women in this department. And there are many wonderful, strong, intelligent women in this department. The first woman commissioner was Margaret Hayward in 1908. She served on the Playground Commission, which at the time was a separate entity from the Park Commission. Our first woman vice president was Carmen Dominguez in 1970. We didn't have our first woman as commission president until 1998, who was Dr. Yvette Flunder, an African-American woman who's devoted her life to service and advocacy. We now have much more representation on our commission, and I served to some, I've served next to some very intelligent women, commissioners Annie Jupiter Jones and Vanita Louie, who's possibly the greatest spark plug I've ever met in my life. There are also hundreds of women throughout our department who work tirelessly every day to ensure our parks and open spaces are safe, equitable, and healthy. Women like Hale Guerra, our first woman superintendent of structural maintenance, who oversees our structural maintenance yard and so much of the work that keeps our parks up and running each day. Or Stacy White, who is here today. She has worked in our department for more than 30 years, starting out as a youth worker and who's now a manager and arguably who keeps our department running each and every day. Or Jackie Battle. Where are you, Jackie? Raise your hand. Are you still here? There she is. She's hiding out over in the corner over there. She's dedicated her career to improving the lives of the people and the communities in which she works, truly exemplifying public service and serving as a role model for the staff she works with each day. And I'm going to be a little extemporaneous here, but I want to acknowledge Ashley Summers, our commission liaison secretary. Coordinator extraordinaire, environmentalist, friend, mother. This woman works hard morning and night, spinning many plates and keeping us upright. Thank you, Ashley. These are countless women. There are countless women like these four women. And I just want to express my gratitude for them and for the people that support us. much. So now we will take public comment on just the president's report. So if there was anything in the president's report that anyone would like to comment on, you can come up to the podium. Okay, seeing none, SFGov TV, do we have anyone with their hand raised? Okay. 
Thank you. Before we move on to item three, I'd also like to thank um, my colleague here, Stacy White, next to me, who is my backup today and who is my backup when I need to deal with my children or other catastrophes in my life. And she also basically runs the department alongside Phil. So um, thank you, Stacy. Okay. We're now on item three, the general manager's report. Uh, Good morning, commissioners, and good morning, Bayview. Um, I want to uh, just thank uh, President Buell, Vice President Anderson, and Commissioner Griffin for their comments, introductory comments, about the history of this beautiful place, about Women's History Month, so I, too, want to offer a, a tip of the cap to all of our amazing women commissioners and amazing female staff in the Recreation and Park Department and a special uh, nod to, um, I have two bosses in, in the organization. Uh, one is our chair, uh, obviously our mayor, but one is our chair and the other is indeed Stacy White. So happy Women's History Month, Stacy. Um, and uh, also really wanted to thank all of our staff as Commissioner Griffin uh, alluded to uh, that uh, hosted our Black Heritage Celebration uh, last month. It was really, really, really um, quite special. So thank you. Um, before I go on with uh, sort of more uh, citywide updates on things, let's just take a second here to dive a little deeper into, into place, into where we are. Uh, we are here at the amazing Jolie Rec Center, and you're going to hear from our superintendent, uh, Nick Williams, in a little bit. Nick, if you could step up and just raise your hand for a second. Uh, he has an agenda item later where we're going to do a, a deeper dive uh, into uh, some of our recreation programs and some of the things happening in the Bayview. But I wanted to uh, ask uh, our facility coordinator, where is he, Fulton Mitchell? Where are you, sir? Fully. Come on out, grab the mic. Go grab the podium for a quick sec. And um, Foley's gonna share a little bit about what happens here and introduce the staff that, that works here. Um, and the one thing I'll say before I turn it over to uh, Fulton, who is uh, our, uh, our uh, Recreation and Park Department's Ted Lasso, who's one of the um, premier soccer coaches in the world who's never played soccer. Um, but he really is uh, outstanding. And those goals you see in the back of the gym here belong to the mighty Bayview United, which is a program that uh, uh, Fulton and, and I and Jackie Battle were able to start a few years ago and now has, believe it or not, four teams, four Bayview-based teams playing soccer here in the Bayview. Um, but fully, why don't you give just a, a couple of short highlights about other programs that are happening at Jolie, and then please introduce your team. Um, thank you, Phil. Um, I think he already introduced the team, but I'll do it again. Um, we have our specialist, Amber Dominguez. Amber, where, are you here? Um, Sean Joyce, he's not here. Um, Sammy's not here either. Um, Jackie Battle, our, um, our manager. And then our newly hired supervisor, Ray Kelly. Ray, stand up. Ray. So yeah, just like, I'll give you real quick. We have a, a lot of programs. Um, a lot of our programs are based off um, our after-school program. 
So if you, uh, after school kid here, you are really special. I mean, we have a swim program for them. We have a, a educational bus that pulls up and does educational things with them on Wednesdays and Thursdays. They've been a part of the um, swim program that we started at um, King. And we also have, which we started maybe last year, Dale, um, a sewing program. And the sewing program is real, real big here. It's growing. It's getting better and better. They're actually making clothes. If you came out to our Black History celebration, you would have seen that we were all in African attire, and it was all made upstairs in that room. So it's a really nice program. If you're interested in sewing, come check it out. Right on. Thank you fully. All right. Um, well, uh, there's so much excitement and so much happening uh, here in the Bayview that you're going to hear about commissioners later in the presentation. Let me just offer a few quick updates about um, other things that are happening around our park system. Uh, you know, it's sunny today and it was sunny yesterday, but it hasn't been for a while. And as rainy and windy weather pummel the Bay Area, uh, we are doing everything we can to continue to ensure that our parks remain safe. Uh, you've all seen the news, you've gotten the updates. Early Saturday morning, our beloved and historic Trocadero Clubhouse in Stern Grove suffered pretty significant damage when an 85-foot eucalyptus tree fell, crushing part of the building's roof and eave. The sprinkler system was also uh, destroyed, causing extensive water damage. Uh, the building is currently red tagged, which means it's uh, not structurally safe. And we are in the process now of assessing the damage and trying to figure out whether, you know, whether and how we can repair it and what it will cost. So more to come. We don't have specific answers. But I really do want to acknowledge our park rangers uh, and our structural maintenance staff who, despite some risk, uh, were on site after the tree fell to make sure that our, uh, uh, our water systems were shut off, our electrical systems were uh, shut off, our gas systems were shut off, our park rangers recovered some uh, historic and sentimental memorabilia from the building, and our amazing roofers and urban uh, forestry tree crews went out there, even though uh, the building presented some risk, and put uh, tarps all over the uh, where the damage had occurred to prevent additional damage from the following three days of rainstorms from the most recent atmospheric river. So it's a tough one for us and, and more to come. Um, you know, our, we understand how beloved and historic uh, the Trocadero is. Uh, there are probably many people watching today uh, and, in, and several people in this dais who've been to life cycle events uh, at the Trocadero, uh, including I had one myself for my own daughter many years ago. So uh, this is a special place and we will do all we can to make sure that we are able to, to uh, repair and restore it. Um, so we had a few additional uh, incidents that I want to make you aware of. We did have a large tree branch fall in the panhandle, damaging several vehicles. We had our arborists who again responded and park rangers. Uh, they were able to assist the vehicle owners with gathering their belongings and next steps and recovering their losses. Um, so, you know, our staff is doing everything they can. And, you know, I've said this many times and 
this was never more true through the pandemic, but it is true every day. The men and women who are on the ground who have to show up every day, neither, you know, no matter what the weather or no matter what the risk or no matter what the pandemic, uh, we have just an amazing team uh, that tries to keep our parks open and tries to keep people safe. And they deserve to be applauded. And it's during you know, storms and critical incidents like this that we all really need to tip our uh, pretend caps uh, to the uh, people who are in the field every single day uh, making sure that, that we're safe and that our, that our parks are well cared for. So to my staff, uh, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, all right. Um, other few announcements. Uh, Illuminate Live. I want to mention the return of Illuminate Live. We're on the southeast part of the city and we should be talking about music and performances at the Jerry Garcia, Amp upcoming performances at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater. Uh, but I do want to uh, remind everyone that we also have a music series in that other park. What's its name, Chuck? I don't remember. It's called Golden Gate Park. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in the band shell from March through November, featuring more than 100 concerts. And their concerts, uh, they are uh, community performances. We have a lot of Bayview artists who are actually performing at the band shell. Uh, the free concert series happens every week on Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays with a very diverse variety of music, including jazz, funk, R&B, reggae, so much more. Uh, we've gotten off to a slow start again because of the weather, but uh, we're really grateful to be uh, uh, celebrating it. And this month, all of, uh, or many of the concerts uh, uh, align with Women's History Month. So we have our featuring performances by women or women-fronted bands. So go out and see them. I want to thank our partners, Illuminate the Arts and the San Francisco Parks Alliance. And a special shout out to the amazing Stefan Franz, uh, former Prozac chair, for all his work in pulling this off. Uh, it's quite, quite lovely. It's not quite Jerry Garcia. But we're getting there. Um, all right. Also wanted to acknowledge that uh, uh, and thank the Parks Alliance and Charles Gaddikin and all my staff for another successful year with Entwined in Golden Gate Park. Um, the brilliant installation Entwined at Peacock Meadow is, uh, has now wrapped up. Uh, it was, it's in its third year. It was an installation by Bayview artist Charles Gaddikin, who has transformed Peacock Me Meadow turning it into an enchanted forest filled with whimsical shapes and magical colors. Uh, it's a really wonderful installation. Uh, the mayor uh, uh, issued a proclamation for Mr. Gaddikin in honor of Entwine, so we want to thank him, and we are all going to encourage uh, and figure out a way to put some of that installation at India Basin Shoreline Park for a small period of time so we can all enjoy it here. Um, uh, I also, it is, uh, is it Science Month, Chris Betcher, or was it just National Science Week or Day? But it, this month involves, uh, uh, we, we think about science uh, this month, and we do it as well as anybody, and I really want to uh, acknowledge and celebrate uh, our staff, uh, starting with Chris Betcher and the Friends of the Randall Museum, which held its 39th annual uh, middle school science fair. We had more than uh, 100 students from 15 local middle schools participating. Students from 15 different schools took first place in several categories. 
uh, and we'll now go on to the Golden Gate STEM Fair happening this weekend at the Bay Model Visitor Center in Sausalito. Winners of that fair then go on to the California State Science Fair and the International Science and Engineering Fair. Um, this is a great event, it really is. It's an opportunity to celebrate some of our best and brightest middle schoolers, and it's also a chance for the Randall Museum to engage young people in learning about nature and the environment. Uh, uh, you know, I've always appreciated science, especially chemistry, Mr. President, uh, although I've only studied it periodically. Thank you. As the, uh, as the city parks director and someone who appreciates math, you know, my favorite subject, Mr. President, is geometry. And I'm really so proud of the students' hard work, the feeling of camaraderie and community around this event. Well, it was electric, and that's because the students conduct themselves so well. This isn't really fair to the Hunters Point community. <laughs> I will be here all week. Just please tip your waiters and we're good. All right. So even though the weather has been very unpredictable, uh, yachts are afloat in Golden Gate Park. Model yachts, that is, this past week in the San Francisco Model Yacht Club hosted its opening day regatta on Spreckles Lake. The Yacht Club is near and dear to our hearts. It is believed to be the oldest such organization in the nation. Established in 1898, it has deep roots in San Francisco, celebrating the city's long and colorful maritime history. Uh, so we are uh, very thrilled to partner with the Model Yacht Club and, and acknowledge the opening of Model Yacht Season. Uh, uh, but I'm just thrilled to be here at Joe Lee uh, in the hallowed gym floor again of our mighty Bayview United. And that concludes the general manager's report. Thank you very much. Don't encourage him. <laughs> I was going to say, we normally don't allow applause in City Hall, but today for Phil, okay. Um, is there any public comment on the general manager's report? If you're in the room and you'd like to comment on item three, you can come up to the podium now. Okay, seeing none, is there any public comment on our line? Okay, no public comment there. Public comment is now closed, but now we are moving on to general public comment. So this would be the opportunity for members of the public who would like to comment on the, something that is under the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, but isn't on today's agenda. Um, I do have some comment cards here, so I'm going to start by calling these ones out. But if anyone else would like to make a comment, you're welcome to come up after or go ahead and fill out a blue card and bring it up to us here at the desk. I'm going to start with Bells Yelda. And then after Bells will be Matthew and then Fran. Come on up to the podium here. Or you can bring those over to me and we'll bring it to me and then I'll distribute it while you're talking. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, okay, thank you. And as a reminder, you'll have two minutes. I'll be putting a timer up on the screen. Hello? Yeah? Yep. My name is Bellis Yelda. I'm a retired civil engineer. Directly into the mic, please. 
My name is Bellas Yalda. I'm a retired civil engineer. And 19, uh, 2011, I took on my own shoulder to do some design for McNabb Lake. McNabb Lake today is filled up with silt. The primary pond completely is filled to the top of it. And the cause of that is erosion. And I came up with design how we can prevent this and also save completely every five years to clean up the pond, which is about a half a million of gallon of water there. Every time we want to clean it, we have to empty that water. It goes for the waste. Well, anyhow, this project is designed to solve the problem of erosion. What we have is intercepted ditches from Shelley Drive that collect the water, brings it to the pond. That is on Sideway, on the south of uh, uh, McLaren Park. On the East Park, we have a ditch which already halfway is concreted, but is not helping. So the waterfall is steep slope, and it creates high velocity. And that high velocity erodes and brings a lot of silt into the pond. So what I did, we with Chuck about, I think it was about 10 years ago, we went to PUC, Public Utility Commission, to give us a fund to do something with the water. We thought they were interested. Thank but you. Your, your time has concluded, Bells. Um, now, now, what I submitted to you, there's a plan and also the whole design of how to prevent this sedimentation. Thank you. Would you please look into it and let me know if you can take care of it now. We have rain coming in. We okay. can empty that and I'm sorry, fill it Bells, up with we have the to move storm. On to the Thank you. Comment. Thank you very much. Okay, next we have uh, Matthew and then Fran. Good morning, commissioners. Um, I'm Matthew Blaine, and you've heard my voice before. Can you hear me now? There we go. Let me move this up a little bit. Um, I'll just lean into it. So I'm Matthew Blaine. You've heard my voice before, but this is the first time in a couple of years I've been able to make it out to a commission meeting in person, so I thought I'd just introduce myself and say hi. And so it's, I'm so glad to see the commission actually out in the community. It's, it's really interesting coming to someplace other than City Hall. Um, so I'm Matthew Blaine. I'm chair of SF Urban Writers, and um, we are an uh, organization which we work throughout the city in advocating for, stewarding, maintaining trails and the associated habitat, particularly for mountain bikes. Um, in the past year, we in the last year we did had over 300 volunteers working for us, thousand over a thousand hours of work. A lot of that was at our project at Laguna Honda Hospital, which uh, if you follow the Parks Alliance, you may have seen uh, a little bit about that yesterday. Uh, but some of it's over here in the southeast corner of the city. We also help maintain and, and help create the McLaren Bike Park. Uh, so we've been volunteering there the last over over the past year, restarting that. Um, and I'm just looking forward to seeing the Park Department continue to invest in this part of the city, in McLaren Park and other parks, and looking forward to the expansion of trails and the bike park. 
Um, and as always, I'll conclude by saying if you want to learn more about any of these projects or go on a bike ride tour, just reach out to me and let me know. And that also extends to the larger community here. Thank you. Thank you. Fran? My name is Fran Martin, and I'm affiliated with the Visitation Valley Greenways Growing Outdoors and Learning, or GOAL, program, and have a few points to make. Point one, GOAL is building the first phase Wait, we're having trouble hearing you. you speak directly into the mic, please? Yeah. Like this? Okay. Point one, GOAL is building the first phase of the McLaren Park Native Plant Garden that will eventually run from Visitation Valley Middle School to Hahn Avenue. We're working with Lauren Chavez, our wonderful project manager. Funding is needed to complete the entire project if a teacher Fran, for Fran, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you just a moment. I'll restart your time. Um, can, do you know why there's feedback? Oh, okay. Hernan, is it good now? Okay. Let's, I'm going to um, go ahead and say something to just make sure. Okay. Okay, that sounds good. I'm going to restart your time, Fran. And if you could just speak a little louder for the okay. commissioners. All right. Ready? Go ahead. Okay. I'm just going to take off where I was. We're working with Lauren Chavez, our wonderful project manager. Funding is needed to complete the entire project and for teachers for outdoor education programs as well as others throughout the Southeast. We have raised about $300,000 and our volunteers have transformed the formerly blighted dangerous area into an oasis of pl native plants that support biodiversity. There's a model for what <clears throat> should happen in the future in McLaren Park, particularly south of Manzel, which should become an example leading the way for, to fight climate change and promote biodiversity. Point two, south of McLaren's Manzel has been neglected for far too long, resulting in long-term environmental injustice. Although this valley is not getting a gym and playground, it has taken a long time to get them. There's still much to be done, including, hopefully, hopefully, repurposing Glen Eagles as a family-oriented native plant wildlife preserve, including daylighting Sunnydale Creek. This project would serve the people of Sunnydale in particular and Viz Valley and the region in general. Glen Eagles is a prime example of environmental injustice and misuse of public funds and space in a neighborhood cut off from open space, although surrounded by natural areas, a neighborhood that is bearing the burden of high-density housing other neighborhoods reject. Point three. Daniel Choi has done an incredible job for our parks, and we are grateful to his staff. However, McLaren Park has only six gardeners for over 300 acres, plus nearby neighborhood parks, such as the Greenway. That is absurd. Help provide sufficient staff for our second largest park. Point four. Finally, do the right thing and not allow housing at Palou Phelps open space. Hasn't the Southeast suffered enough from poor planning fueled by greed? Our health and well-being is at stake. San Francisco should embrace the concept of the rights of nature and protect our environment from the incursions of developers and politicians. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, Fran. Next, I'm going to call up Larry. Oh, you, okay. okay, Oscar, and then Larry, Good and then you begin, this is the interpreter Good asking Harry. My name is Oscar James. Uh, I welcome all of the commissioners here. Also, I welcome Mark Mules who I know personally, who has done a lot of work in this community. Uh, Mark, uh, the gray hair, Mark. I'm sorry. I, I, I knew you when you had black hair. Oscar James, I work with you with the task force of the Hunts Point Shipyard, and yeah. Honorable Joseph Alioto. Senior moments. Uh, anyway, 
I just want to welcome you here and give you a little history on this. Uh, Jim, uh, we have history. The Honorable George Moscone used to be a director here back in the days when I was a young, young kid running around playing basketball and what have you. But I want to commend each and every one of the, the staff members who work here in this facility for making this a safe haven for the people in the BB Hunters Point community. They do a lot of work. I haven't been here in a long time, but the things they do in this community to enhance and to make sure peoples and young people in our community become prosperous, being safe, teaching them different things in this community, I would like for you guys to, whatever they ask for, to make this a better facility for the peoples in our community, the young people in our community, give it to them because they do tremendous work and I commend each and every one of them as being a native of this community for the last 76 years. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Larry? Um, and for members of the public who are speaking, I now have a timer up on the screen so you can see your time. I'm good with that. Hey, uh, good morning. My name is Larry T. Jones, Jr. And uh, first, I would like to take my time to thank the commission in person for the $10 million bond measure that you guys approved for Sunnydale to finally get their first gym so we can have something like this for our kids and our community over there in, in Viz Valley. So I just want to thank you for that. Uh, secondly, I would like to know in terms of our Hertz playground, we need to kind of get a more transparent awareness of the timeline of when our park will be done so we can better plan things and kind of know what we can tell because we see the work being done and our hope is up. But we would like a little more information to trickle to the community in a timely manner so we can do things uh, a little more transparent with our residents who constantly want to know when they can finally go up there and have a good time. My final thing is, in the time prohibits is, I think uh, Park and Rec right now with the weather situation we've been having, we have a lot of trees that are falling dramatically in uh, McLaren Park and our children utilize that space to walk and have healing time or to go to Crocker Amazon or go to school. These trees are massive and they're falling and they could kill someone. So I would like to be proactive instead of reactive and have you guys get some kind of inquiry going as to the status of these trees help with all this uh, weather we've been having. They're falling big time and it's, it could possibly take someone's life. So I need you guys to be aware of that. And I once again thank you for all the hard work we put in during COVID on the phone and the call-in sessions and to finally see you in person. It's an honor to me to welcome you here to the uh, District 10, which is not just Bayview, but it's Sunnydale, Viz Valley. So we're here and I'm repping. So that being said, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you guys again. See you later. Also, I'm a partner, I'm a manager with Mercy Housing, so I have more motivation than just being a resident. We also do business together. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, I'm going to have Jonathan, and then Albert, and then Tiffany. Yeah, hi, commissioners. My name's Jonathan Mead. Uh, I'm with a group called the Friends of the Palouf Alps, um, and I wanted to talk to you um, 
about a uh, concern that we have regarding the Palouf Alps open space and uh, the Palouf Alps mini playground. Um, that's, a, that's been a very precious resource for the community for many, many years. We work regularly with Rec and Park every month uh, up on the hill and also on the playground itself. And then we just got word that a uh, uh, development is planned for up to four five-story buildings that come in at the dead end of the Casada and, that, and go up straight up this very steep slope into the open space. And so we wanted to just introduce ourselves, uh, make you aware that this is an issue. Um, you know, when I moved into the Bayview, um, that open space was, was one of the main reasons why I bought my place. Uh, and I live in the Richmond now, but I care too much about that hillside to really watch it get developed uh, by private landowners. Uh, in this case, I think that this is an example of the, where the needs of the community outweigh the needs of a developer to make money. Um, and I understand now that uh, with SB9 and Scott Wiener and his friends, um, stopping development uh, from going forward is more difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, and I look forward to working with all of you guys to um, see if we can find some creative ways to protect that open space, because it really is uh, a precious resource that is used every day by the community. And in some cases, you know, the kids who play there uh, from this neighborhood don't have any other way to experience open space and nature. It's concrete and buildings uh, all around in this particular area. And so um, it's just something that is too important to let go. So at Rec and Park, I know you guys value open spaces and stuff. So I okay, look I'm forward sorry, to working with you. I'm sorry, your time is up. Thanks. Next, Thank I have Albert, much. and then Tiffany. And then Chuck. Uh, I think it's good morning still. What time? Anyway, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, welcome to District 10. I'm born and raised in Visitation Valley. I uh, never thought I'd see you guys come out here. It's great to have you. Welcome. Um, I want to uh, just piggyback on Fran and the gentleman that just came up here. Um, District 10 is part of Visitation Valley, Sandale, and they do need gymnasium way past due. Playground playgrounds a blessing. Uh, I did. I went to every park in District 10 this morning, just to check them out, and they look pretty good. Actually, I was really surprised. Uh, Gilman, yeah. I usually complain, but Gilman uh, has four apprentice uh, gardeners. I mean, uh, they're actually apprentice laborers. And they all want to become gar uh, garden apprentices. So I did talk to uh, the lady in charge of HR. They're now 30, they're actually uh, 9916 laborers and they want to become 3410 garden apprentices. So maybe you can get somebody outreach over there to talk to them because they're, they're working hard and uh, the gardeners vouching for them. That, uh, amazing amount of work they're doing at Gilman right by uh, uh, Candlestick Park. Uh, but I wanted to mention Visitation uh, Street between Manziel and Han. There was a serious problem there. There was a major accident. I got pictures of it. It was uh, on uh, February 2nd at around 9.30 a.m. Three cars right behind the middle school, Viz Valley Middle School. Now, I know there's a lane there. There's some yellow lines there. But the road, there's erosion problems. There's water. Right now, if you go by there, there's a lot of water coming. It's causing the asphalt to fail on the roadway. Um, so this was a three-car accident, high-speed accident. 
uh, similar to the ones we have up there on top by Manziel and uh, Visitation. Um, so um, just want to bring it to your attention. That is a death trap. There's people that make a left turn when they come down the hill to go and drop their kids off of school. The cars are rushing up. Other cars are trying to go around them. If we don't put some lights there, slow them down, we're going to have more Thank and more accidents. Thank you. Your time's Thank you. up. Thank you. Ed. Have a good day. I appreciate I it. I think that's a Department of Transportation issue, but we'll bring it to their attention. Um, members of the public, we usually do 15 minutes of public comment on item four and then continue it to later in the meeting. What uh, would you like to do, Chair how Buell? How many more? Um, we have about 15 more for, for number four. So that's we, could, we could move item 12 up in the meeting if you want, but we have lots to get to today. I think people came out, so let's hear them here now, and we'll keep okay. going. Okay, great. Um, just let us know if you'd like to stop at some point. So I'm going to go with Tiffany, and then Trevor, and then I did Chuck already go? Okay, then Chuck. Go ahead. Hello, commissioners. It is wonderful to see you again. It's Tiffany Lowenberg here from the Randall Museum Friends. And um, we are the nonprofit group that works with the Randall Museum, as you know. And um, I just want to say thanks to the general manager for your nice shout out about Science Fair. And I'm glad you got a chance to share your corny jokes in public. Thank you for that. Um, we are very excited to announce that we have selected a new museum director for the Randall Museum. And his name is Marcus Wachowiak. And he has been responsible for the success of our science programs and our science fair over many, many years. So we're super excited about that. Um, and as you know, we have some exciting programs coming up at the Randall this spring. And I just wanted to make sure that Bug Day, which is coming up April the 8th, was on your calendars. So we would love to announce um, Marcus ascending to that position at that event to the public. And um, we wanted to just invite the commissioners to come, any of you who want to come and see one of our fantastic signature events, we would love to have you there. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have Trevor and then Chuck and then did Harry already go? Apologies. And then Harry. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you um, for the beautiful intro you did where you mentioned the indigenous people on land which we live and work and these parks that Park and Rec is taking care of and maintaining kind of like the indigenous people caring about the land and nature and all that stuff. And so I want to thank you for that. And then also thank you for all the funding that Requity, Peace Parks, we all re have received within the past few years. And as a staff member, it's been really helpful. And um, we, wanna see, we, we wanna ask for even more funding because not only, not only do these children, they, now they have a place to come when it's raining or it's cold out there and just when they come to the gym, they're safe. But now we want to give them a little bit more programming. Not program them in a bad way, but program them in a positive way and get them, um, get them into some things that they might not, they might not uh, be into yet. 
because right now it's just sports for, for us right now, which is the main thing we focus on, basketball, football. But uh, it would be beautiful to have some other type of programming that children in the, in the underserved communities can uh, get hip to at, as youth. Thank you again, Ashley. Thank you. Okay, I have Chuck and then Harry and then Jacques. Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, Phil Ginsburg. I'd like to uh, speak on McLaren Park. My name is Chuck Ferrugia. I represent Help McLaren Park, which is a um, group of about 500 members. It's a kids and family advocacy group. Um, I'm very happy to see there's so many people here today that are actually talking on McLaren, and McLaren has become very popular. I think a lot of it is because of Help McLaren Park group. Uh, it's becoming more uh, of a destination, which is nice, getting more funding finally. But there were some things like growing up there, I think people don't realize we had, it, it was just abandoned. It was like a, no playgrounds or what was there was burnt. It was graffiti, there was, bathrooms were locked. It was burned cars, it was nothing. Today it's a much look, better looking park, but I still think that we could go further. I think there's a lot going on in other parks, especially Golden Gate Park, Phil, that are getting a lot more attention than we are. We are very short staffed. Our gardeners cannot handle what's going on there. We've been promised um, rangers for years. We helped get you guys more funding. Our group advocated for getting funding through propositions so you guys have the money to pay your rangers. We still have not seen a permanent ranger. We've become a dog park. For some reason, dogs are more important, and now we have dogs everywhere in the center of the park, and we don't have no rangers to manage it. It's really time to step up. The last thing I want to speak of is I think we need the horses back in McLaren. We had horseback riding in the 40s, 50s, and 60s there. They went away when I was a kid. We still had the mounted police, which I have fond memories of seeing them in the park growing up. And I think once a child gets on a horseback ride, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, it will change his life and it will help these kids who cannot go to Golden Gate Park. There's a lot of kids who live and just play in the park because that's right next to them. We need to continue to advocate for getting the horses back in McLaren. I'm, I appreciate you helping me fill on that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Okay, I have Harry and then Jacques and then I think it's either Josh or something like Josh. Hi, uh, my name is Harry Noble. Uh, I live right here in Bayview. Uh, I want to talk uh, again about the open space at Palou Phelps Park over here. Um, the open space on this hillside is central to the community. Every day you can find children playing, people walking their dogs, or just taking the short hike up the hill um, to take in the view. I myself take advantage of this hill on a daily basis. Uh, I live right down the block from it. It was one of the major reasons I moved here four years ago, and it's a core part of my life today. We've heard a little bit about the threat of development to this hillside. Um, the proposed construction would take the majority of the land out of the center of this space, cutting off the small slice of nature from the community. Uh, I'd like to ask Rec and Parks here for all the help we can get from you in preserving this space uh, today and on an ongoing basis. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I have Jacques and then again, maybe Josh from APRI. Hello, my name is Jacques Maurer. I've lived uh, in the Bayview for 22 years on Bridgeview Drive. I'm also a member of the Palou Phelps Park, Friends of Palou Phelps Park, 
and I've worked with uh, Park and Rec on maintaining this park for everybody's enjoyment. And I'd like to back up Jonathan and Harry's statements on our concern for this proposed building development that would be a very negative impact on the park and we're hoping that we can work with you to find a better solution for this park so that it's, it's not irreparably damaged by this development. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and then that must be you. Come on up. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's pronounced Josue, but that's fine. Well, um, hi guys. Um, my name is Josue. I just uh, wanted to thank each and every one of you. I, um, I don't know you personally. I never met you personally, but I know that you, know, you serve the community a lot in the capacities that you've been placed in. Um, I was invited here by APRI. I'm um, one of the individuals who were um, going through their training. A little bit of background about me since everyone's very forthright about theirs. I grew up in the um, in the Bayview area, specifically in the Section 8 housing over at uh, Sunnydale. And uh, my background as well there for a few years, I was, um, I was uh, addicted to drugs. And uh, it was kind of a little bit of a, of a bleak life, a bleak outlook for me, because I didn't really have too much hope. Um, but uh, I, I really want to just put this out there. Um, everyone says what, what they believe strongly in. Uh, I believe in the Bible. I believe that um, the Lord Jesus raised me up from that. Um, I've been clean. Um, it, I was on drugs for 10 plus years, but I've been clean from that. I've been cleansed from that. And, you know, I've been given hope. And from that, I um, came out of that certain area. I'm now living um, among other godly men um, near City College. And I heard from my pastor about this opportunity to um, rebuild parts of that community, that neighborhood that, um, that is now, um, it's found to be lacking, right? San Francisco has a has a whole bunch, but this is a neighborhood that's found to be lacking. And, you know, I really want to just um, develop a trade and hone that craft so I could give to the community because in the, in the Bible we're told that we're um, to have a commune with God and to love your neighbor as well. So I want to show that sort of love and, and tangible love is what I want to show people. And um, I look forward to this opportunity to do that, um, to give glory to God and to show love to my fellow men. Um, so I just want to thank um, those as well. Uh, Eva and Grimes and, and the rest at uh, APRI for just the opportunity that's been afforded uh, to me and give glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you. I have a couple of members of the public on our public line, but before I go there, I just want to double check. Is there anyone else who'd like to comment in person? This is just for general public comment, and we will come back to this later in the agenda as well. So, Ashley, I think we should then move to the full agenda. Okay. Did you want to speak on general public comment? Okay, go ahead. Great. We have one more. Just one more. Let me, let me, while we have a little pause here, acknowledge the presence of former Commissioner Eric McDonald. We're honored to have you with us today. Thank you, sir. Is this the last one okay? One, yeah, last testimony. Sam, yes. go ahead. And then we're going to move on. Just want to say good morning to everyone in here. Can you speak here. up? We can't. I say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. To everyone in here. How's everyone doing? And uh, thank you for, for everything you guys done and the committee and stuff. I'm speaking from Park and Rec, um, District 10. So um, I just want to speak on uh, 
one of our situations with the funding and stuff and us being de under underfunded uh, in the community so far as like I know other communities and other districts in San Francisco was well funded. So we just want to really give back for the kids and the youth so they can have something to do and more programs so we can have them staying out of trouble instead of getting into trouble because it seems like in our areas like more of that going on. So we're just trying to give the youth and the kids something so they can stay out of trouble and be more in programs and more doing stuff and active instead of, you know, having the other option to not, you know, be active and having a program to go to and be in. So that's where I stand in and I just want to speak up for us and Park and Rec and, and, and District 10 and, and knowing that we need the funding real bad for our youth and for our kids and, and not just for our kids, for everybody's kids, you know, in the whole San Francisco. So that's all I want to say and speak up. So thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Okay, for other members of the public, we will have um, general public comment again during item number 12. So individuals who are on our public line, raise your hand again during item 12. Okay. Seeing no further public comment at the moment, public comment is closed. And we are now on item five, the consent calendar. Commissioners, do you have anything you'd like to remove from consent today? don't see any. Okay, do we have any public comment on the consent calendar? This is just on item five. If you are here for Jackson Park, you can also, you can comment during item seven. That's probably when you want to comment. Otherwise, we're looking at item five right now. Okay, seeing none in person, do we have anyone with their hand raised for item five? Zero. Okay, thank you. Seeing no further comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? I'd like to thank move you. approval. Been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. So moved. Okay, we're now on item six, the San Francisco Zoo. I believe we have Lamar Harris here with us from the San Francisco Zoo. Lamar, do you have a presentation? Okay, is it already loaded on the computer here? Great, thank you, Lamar. Hey everyone, just want to say first of all, thank you very much for having us out and thank you very much for the change of venues, much appreciated. Uh, today we're going to go over our diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion in the zoo community and some updates on what we're doing here at the San Francisco Zoo for the community. Lamar, so, can you speak can you a little closer to the microphone? A little closer, thank you. Sorry about that. <clears throat> some of our education highlights we have coming up is with the San Francisco Unified School District. We just finished this. Um, our Oceana and Gateway Interim Weeks, Leadership Fellows, and our Bilingual Spanish Camp at the zoo as well. Uh, Lamar, so, I'm so sorry, uh, and thank you for everyone for your patience. This is the first time we've hosted such a complex technological meeting outside of City Hall. Uh, David's oh. going to make sure your screen is sharing here so that members of the public can see it at home and so that we can see it on the screen here. And the commissioners are also watching it on their screens there, so they need to be able to see it as well. 
Thank you, David. All right. And then Lamar, if you could just talk like right into the microphone as close as you can get. All good? Like, like COVID never happened. It's right there. Thank you. All good. All right. So once again, my name is Lamar from the San Francisco Zoo, here to talk to you about our diversity, equity, access, inclusion programs in the zoo community and what we're trying to do for the community. Some of our education highlights we have coming up and have already done are the um, work with the technical institute programs, the pathway programs, Oceana and Gateway Interim Weeks, Leadership Fellow Programs, and our bilingual Spanish camp at the zoo. So we just had John O'Connell School come out actually just the other day. Um, they had students on two different pathways. They had the culinary pathways as well as the science pathways too as well. During that time, they were able to meet with our guest service team, marketing team, management team, as well as our nutrition center and our wellness teams as well too. The kids were all working on their various school projects and they had got um, up close and personal learning about things such as economies of scale and how to pick out your target markets with zoo professionals there as well. We have our leadership pros, programs too as well. Uh, we have actually applications going out this in April, open to all students and graduates 18 plus. Uh, during that time, they'll have hands-on training working with our education department and a lot of our zoo campers. And once they actually finish the zoo camp portion of the program, they'll be able to choose almost any other section of the zoo, maybe animal husbandry, gardening, maintenance, PR, etc., and work hands-on with a professional there too as well to um, get an insider's view of that trade as well. We have our interims. So we work with Oceana High School. They have an interim week, which goes on. It's very similar to our Zoo Fellows program. However, it's condensed into one solid week there. Well, they'll be meeting with zoo professionals and see how it is to work in all aspects of zoos. Uh, once again, this is not limited to animal husbandry, but also has things such as HR, finance, leadership, management, as well as standard um, hospital, animal husbandry, and nutrition as well. We look to also report this to the city as well, working with our partners at Gateway High School to have them there for interim week. Um, while we also want to have them focus more on the winter session, so look at more of a winter break for them, we would have this interim available. Our Spanish bilingual zoo camp, so it happened on Saturdays, April 1st through March 6th. During this time, we'd have a zoo camp, a um, smaller version, done completely in Spanish for our Spanish speakers. We also have scholarships available for us and working with partners to try to get those kids who need in the program. And lastly, we just want to also highlight that the zoo is going to be opening up once open up once again for field trips. For public schools, it's only $3 per individual and also for nonprofits as well. And also we need the SF rate for private schools and nonprofits as well. And once again, a reminder that our Museums for All program is still going on at the zoo, just for the price of $3 a person for up to four people. If you show your SNAP EBT card or your WIC card, you're more than welcome to come to the zoo for only $3. And we have our monthly senior strolls, which we are continuing. It's just $10 for a guided tour for seniors, and that happens once a month when they get admission to the school for the whole day, as well as parking. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lamar. Thank you very much. Is there anyone here who would like to comment on the San Francisco Zoo item? This is a discussion-only item. Okay, seeing none in person, do we have anyone with their hands raised on our line? Seeing none, public comment is closed. We're now on item 7, the Jackson Playground Conceptual Design. For members of the public who would like to comment on item 7, you may fill out a blue card. You don't have to. They're up here at the front desk, and you can bring it over to me. 
And Noah, go ahead and share your screen like you would normally. It's already sharing. Oh, it's just sharing right now. Yeah, okay, so great. you just want to make it full screen. Great, okay, thanks. There you go. Good morning. Sorry. Good morning, commissioners, uh, general manager, commission liaison, and members of, of the community. I'm thrilled to be here today to present the concept plan for the Jackson Playground project. And uh, the fact that we are here in District 10, the home of Jackson Playground, is especially exciting. I stand here as a representative of, of a, a large group of people, dedicated individuals, of Rec and Park staff, nonprofit organization, our partner, Friends of Jackson Park, um, as well as park lovers and advocates for Jackson Park. So we've been waiting for many, many years to present this project to the commission. Um, specifically, that agenda item is the possible action to approve a conceptual design for the renovation of Jackson Playground, approval of this proposed action by the Commission, is the approval action as defined by San Francisco Administrative Code Chapter 31. And so for today's presentation, I'm going to give a, give a brief introduction to the history of Jackson Playground, to the existing site as we know it today, the community engagement process, as well as the future concept uh, plan. Jackson Playground, for those that don't know it, is um, a 4.4-acre neighborhood park located at the bottom north slope of Potrero Hill on the eastern side of the city, east of the Mission District, and um, um, uh, and south of the Soma District between Highway 101 and 280, as you can see in this image. The park was originally constructed in 1912 and has historically served the neighborhood as an active recreation park and a place of respite from the growing uh, neighborhood and port commerce, as you can see in some of these historical images, as the neighborhood of Potrero and Jackson Park and uh, the dog patch grew Jackson Park always served the community as an important resource. The original park design featured a running track around the park, uh, which created an interior space for ball fields. Um, and also, an important thing to note, uh, there, uh, the historic clubhouse that was built at, at, that, at that time was originally located at the mid-block of uh, Mariposa Street. And in 1960, it was moved to its current location at the corner of Mariposa and Arkansas Street, as you can see here. So this is the park, uh, a bird's eye view of the Noah, park. Noah, I'm sorry. Ashley, we cannot hear. We can hear if one of those speakers turns at us. Oh, yeah, you gotta have but then you need to bring the speaker a little bit away because of the feedback. But we just can't hear. We yeah, need okay. help. We have our audiovisual person, Hernan, here. So... Is it that you can't, you just can't hear even when Noah's speaking the directly? The building echoes and the speakers are all pointing away from us. And so we can't hear, especially if the person kind of doesn't have a loud voice. That's better, but then there's a feedback problem. Okay. We'll just take a brief pause and let Hernan Sorry, Noah. work on this. Thank you. What about the out there? 
least one facing them and one facing us. So they should probably keep the one in the back facing us and put that one facing them. Yeah. Why don't we try that? Why don't you have the back speaker facing the and the front speaker turn towards I, I the chairs? I would like members of the public, please do not touch the speakers. Yeah. We'll let our audiovisual person who's here today deal with that part of it. And Thank then you. people, you should speak directly into the mic as if you're kissing the bulb of the mic. Okay. Can you hear me now? No. Is that better? No. I don't okay. think your mic's on. Features basketball court, tennis courts, play area for children, and notably the important resource of the, the softball and baseball field. And I'll get into the layout of the baseball field and why this is actually a problem for how it's currently uh, configured. The, <clears throat> on a daily basis, Jackson Park is heavily loved and heavily used. It hosts many different types of diverse activities, such as events, uh, birthday parties, yoga sessions, it was the home of our social distancing circles that was implemented during the COVID pandemic. It is an incredible resources, resource for the local community as well as a regional asset. Um, speaking of the regional asset, it serves as a citywide a resource for not only uh, multiple schools but adult and youth leagues. It serves a critical need for high school baseball and Jackson is one of the few sites for adult softball it is one of the few sites in our Rec and Park system that has site lighting. Um, the existing infrastructure is aged and in need of repair. Accessibility for park users needs improvement. And the ball fields have overlapping boundaries, so when simultaneous games are played, you're actually, the outfielders are actually on top of each other. Um, and as we can see in this slide, the dramatic increase in development and housing units in the surrounding area are set to impact this neighborhood dramatically. Uh, Jackson Playground will need to continue to provide this supportive community resource for generations to come. So on to the project team and some of the, the d development of the project. Like I said earlier, this project is really championed by a, a large group of dedicated individuals, most importantly the Friends of Jackson Park, who is our, is our partner in advocacy and in um, initiating the community outreach as well as um, fundraising for, for, to fill the gap for this project, as well as other uh, important design professionals. Um, and we really feel that this model of uh, working with Friends of Jackson Park is an example of a public-private partnership. Um, so the community outreach process started back in 2014 with community engagement, stakeholder interviews, site analysis, preliminary design studies. The project planning phases continued through 2022 and included broader community engagement with listening exercises, participatory design, and the project has a wide range of community support. So th throughout those project meetings, what we really heard was two major, two major themes. One was to increase the passive open space and green space in the park, as well as improve the community center space. So I'm gonna get into the exciting part of the presentation now. Um, and really, I want to start with the concept, this concept, goal, the concept design goals, and um, really what was driving the whole concept plan as we get further into the detailed development. So, really, the big 
conceptual moves um, include moving and improving the clubhouse. So we're going to move it one more time. Third time's the charm. Um, we're going to move the ball fields and activate the perimeter. So we're going to solve that problem of the overlapping ball fields, and we're going to make the perimeter, we're going to get rid of that remnant of the, tr of the track because there was a lot of dead space that was not being used. So we're really going to push this park out and maximize all of the space that we can. And, these, um, and the third thing is we're going to consolidate the program area to really think about how the park can be used for a diversity of users. And these concepts will allow for improved community center space and allow for safe simultaneous ball play and include a dedicated dog play area increase, and increase open and passive green space. And so as you can see in this slide, um, the analysis between the existing park and the updated park, we're going to be increasing the program area by 9,500 square feet, which is a 28% increase in program area. So we're really excited about that, really by, by these big moves that we're doing by shifting the clubhouse and moving the ball fields and activating the west side of the park. So here is our beautiful design for Jackson Playground. And I'm going to go through quickly to give you some, uh, an overview of some of the amenities. As you can see, you can see the cursor down here on the west side. This is the relocated clubhouse in the addition. We have a multi-court space down on the corner of Mariposa and Carolina. We have the two relocated ball fields. We have a community garden space. We have improved <coughs> dugouts for viewing opportunities by community, by parents, by um, local passerby. And I'll show you some, some renderings of, of some of these specific areas. So, we, you know, we're, like I said, we're, we're, this idea of, of Passive open and green space is something that the community was really interested about. So including spaces along 17th Street as a welcoming entrance plaza that don't have a specific program use that really can be for just hanging out, for meeting up, for a variety of, of, of different uses. So this is a bird's eye view of that same plan. Um, and you can really see the perimeter of the park really gets eroded and there no longer becomes a barrier to access. So as soon as you step onto the sidewalk, you actually have the feeling of, that you're in the park. So that's something that the design team really worked hard to, to finesse um, and, and deliver in this design. So this is an enlargement area of that western side of the park where you can see the clubhouse, the new addition, the new multi-purpose court. And I want to call out this multi-purpose court as something that we're really excited about that will host a wide variety of activities from futsal to, um, to pickleball to foursquare, basketball. All these different types of activities will be able to happen in this space. And I know that there is some, you know, there's some concern about losing the tennis courts but we're going from a you know, single-use court down to this multi, up to this multi-use court to allow for a, a really robust uh, variety of use. Um, then you can also see the two different age play areas as well as that kind of plaza in green space as an entry uh, plaza. So this is a, uh, the next slide is a blow up of the, um, the renovated historic clubhouse and the building addition and um, <clears throat> So what this really is going to allow for is for flexible space for the community, for the community members, you know, such as um, after-school programs. We have a list right here, um, a staff office, flexible programming, indoor-outdoor opportunities. We're really excited if you can look right here, and I'll have a view of it later, but there's a stage that's part of the historic clubhouse to having indoor events, but also we'll have operable doors that open up to the exterior so we can have 
out, this kind of indoor-outdoor porosity um, for different types of events, and I'll show you a view of that shortly. This is the entry of the historic clubhouse on Carolina Street, so a, you know, a warm, welcoming entry into this very important community space. Um, this is also a view of the addition as it relates to the clubhouse, and we worked very closely with the San Francisco Planning Department. We received CEQA clearance in uh, last summer, in 2022, and so it was a long process to ensure that the new addition is compatible and differentiated from the historic building in that it meets all the requirements from environmental planning. Um, this is that view of the, the back of the clubhouse that I was just talking about with the operable doors that really allow for that, this, this amphitheater that integrates the existing grade of the, of the ball fields, that's approximately two to three feet above the grade of the clubhouse, which is down at the, at the street level to allow for that seamless integration into the neighborhood context. And then the backside um, allows you know, for this integration of the grading with this interesting site, you know, this amphitheater and um, viewing opportunities for, this, um, for performances. This is that flexible open space on the northwest corner, that entry plaza with seating, um, seating areas. Uh, and you can see in the distance the, the children's play area. Um, and this is a view of the northeast corner. And you can see there's a little key plan where this view was taken from. So we're really working closely with other city agencies, Bureau of Urban Forestry for delivery of all the street trees around the, the perimeter of the park um, for increased pedestrian safety and for a dedicated bike lane along 17th Street. So we're in close coordination with MTA and, and Public Works for these types of amenities. And this is a view of the dugout for the viewing opportunities on the southeast corner of the project. Um, so you're just walking by and you see a ball game, you're invited to come and sit down and watch. Um, and so we're really you know, thinking about how the park fits in to the broader community context. And this is an important um, location on the site that we're working to create a mid-block crossing on Mariposa Street um, that will, um, that will but to an adjacent um, mid-block crossing from a, develop, from a public, publicly uh, accessible right-of-way across the street. So we're also working with San Francisco Arts Commission to develop opportunities for arts um, along the site. So there's some very initial studies of what that art component is going to look like in this project. So I want to briefly talk about the schedule and the budget. Um, so this is something that is... Um, are an, esti an estimated schedule right now, and I want to make the point that the delivery of this project is contingent on um, when our imp development impact fees are going to be um, delivered. So we're working closely with the San Francisco Planning Department to work with them in terms of their forecasting to, to figure out when these development fees are going to be delivered to the project. And then we are looking, we're anticipating that that will happen in 2025, 2026, and that's when we can take the project out to bid for a construction start in 2026. So we're still a little ways away, um, but we're, we're working hard to get this, to get this done. And then um, that brings us to our next, the next slide about the budget. Um, so the project budget is um, approximately $40 million. And currently, Rec Park and Friends of Jackson Park have secured nearly $30 million already in public and privately pledged funds for this project. Um, and it's partly funded by the 2020 bond, 
the health and recovery bond and develop their impact fees and a grant agreement that was just approved on the consent calendar between Friends of Jackson Park and San Francisco Recreation and Park Committee has been agreed to to fill the funding gap to build this park. So we're really excited and we're really um, you know, committed to getting this, this park done. Um, and I will say that the Friends of Jackson Park is starting a capital campaign in fall of 2023 to raise those funds, reaching out to philanthropists, business owners, and park lovers. Um, so if you get an email from Friends of Jackson Park, please donate. <laughs> um, and then I will just um, also say that other options for funding do include city, state, and um, federal grants that we are continually to, to, to look out for. So with that, I want to say, uh, conclude my report, and staff does recommend the approval of the concept design for the Jackson Playground Renovation Project. Thank you very much for your time. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Noah. I think uh, Commissioner Griffin has a question. How's the renaming process coming along? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> So um, the renaming process is a community-driven process. So this is something that the Friends of Jackson Park is spearheading. There is a online survey that has gone out. We've received a, approximately 150 different suggestions for names. There has been a couple of community meetings where this has been brought up as a topic. There needs to be a total of seven community-driven meetings to discuss just the renaming process. Once the community has a short list of three names, we'll come back to this commission, present those names for final approval by this commission. And the idea is that when we cut this ribbon for this new beautiful enhanced park, it will have a new name. You know, not, not Andrew Jackson. I'll have to abstain from that conversation since I have a vested interest. I voted. Oh, you did? Yes. Do you want to share what you said? No. You're, okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. I'd also like to make a motion that we approve this. Oh, we do need public comment. We have a few members of the public who filled out a blue card. I'll start with Elaine, and then Noor, and then JR, and then members of the public who are on our call-in line, you can dial star three to raise your hand to speak on this item. I uh, just want to make sure you can hear me okay. A little okay. closer to the mic maybe. Is that better? That's much better, yeah. Okay, there we go. Is that else okay still? Yeah. All right, my name's Elaine Stubbe and I'm here on behalf of Friends of Jackson. I'm a very unlikely new president of that board. Um, I got involved eight years ago when the kids of Jackson after school program got wind that the sand was going to go away. And uh, thanks to the lovely uh, Miss Robin, um, they got activated like you wouldn't believe. You can actually look at drawings and letters from dozens of stud uh, students there who made their plea of why sand is important for play. And so play is what I wanted to talk about here. Play is what inspired Lou Spadia, who the clubhouse is named after, to start the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame and a lot of funding for youth sports. And it's also... Uh, why Tony Lazeri is honored with a plaque there. He is a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer who, as a dock worker's son, played at Jackson Park as a kid and brought in, you know, the likes of Joe DiMaggio when he was really young to kind of be famous, not kind of, but be famous as a New York Yankee in the 1920s. Anyway, that spirit of play 
and that spirit of history and community at Jackson Park is what inspired me to stay with this for over eight years. So I'm here to say, please give your full approval for the grant agreement and the design concept, which both the architects and the designers are families of the Hill. This is like a full in-house community push to make this park a better community hub. I mean, right now you can poke a finger through the dry rot in that clubhouse, but we still love it. That's why we want it to stay in a different area, but stay in the park. Um, it's a place where hundreds of kids play every day for hours, not just from across the street, but from all the schools in the neighborhood. Thank you. Give us your support. We'd like to work with you in partnership to see this through, and so I don't have to celebrate 15 years on the board to try to get it done. Thank you. Okay, I have Noor, and then JR, and then Jack. Hello. You guys can hear me, right? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Noor. Um, I wanted to say, first of all, I'm a resident of San Francisco. I'm a very uh, close neighbor to Jackson Park. We moved there three years ago. We bought a house uh, nearby. And I just wanted to say my strong support for the design uh, and the, the idea of the renovation. Um, Having lived there uh, in the neighborhood for the last three years, I saw the role that I played during the pandemic, and it was really uh, important. I have two kids, and um, they love the park. And um, I, when I look at the design, even things like moving the clubhouse and the, the subtlety and some of the things that they're doing, but it's very impactful. I believe it's a very good design. It's very efficient use of both space and um, kind of balancing the needs of the public. I think that. Noah's description of the um, problem statement was very accurate. It's kind of what witness. So I have my strong support, and my only request is if we can accelerate it. I want my kids not to be in college before we, uh, you know, before this thing is completed. So if anything that we could do to accelerate the process would be greatly appreciated. Thank you all. Thank you. Jr. and then Jack. Good morning, Commissioners. J.R. Epler, President of the Petro Boosters Neighborhood Association and for full disclosure, Council to Friends of Jackson Park. When I first got involved in this project as a young man, I looked at it in an abstract way. We are a neighborhood that is growing and we are a neighbor that needs to accommodate that population. But in the intervening years, I've come to understand how this project, how I've become like a case study for the benefits of this project to the community. On those sports fields, once they dry out, I'll be coaching a youth baseball team there for uh, practices. And moving those sports fields and changing them will make them better serve our sports teams, whether they're youth learning to play baseball or senior softball. The community space, during COVID, we needed that outdoor space. And it's something that we hadn't had. And without the baseball there, we discovered that need. Right now, uh, youth birthday parties coexist side by side with, with adult softball. It's not, not a comfortable way to run the park right now. And by reorienting things, we dedicate, we get that unprogrammed community space. A dedicated dog space. Dogs don't respect calls of I've got it on the field, and it's rough to fight for a fly ball or a grounder with the dog. Um, the clubhouse programming. We don't have the space right now to meet demand, and by reorienting the clubhouse and adding on to it, we add more capacity. I know this, because right now my seven-year-old's on uh, spot number eight on the wait list for this. The <laughs> playground space, you know, it goes without standing, or without much saying. 
we need the younger playground, we need the older playground, and they need to be modernized because right now they've grown a little long in the tooth. And then the multi-use sports court. Right now we don't have a futsal facility in the community, and I'll tell you what, our team needed the practice so we could have been a little bit more competitive with Bayview United, whose home that we're in today. Thank you all for being here, by the way. But what this remodel does most is it brings the park into the community, it brings down the fences, and it, re, and it brings it to the, the current existing and growing neighborhood. Thank you so much. Approve this conceptual design. Thank you very much. Okay, next I have Jack. And then if anyone else wants to comment, please come up just on item seven. Thank you. Uh, good morning, members of the commission. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, my name is Jack Alber. I'm here on behalf of Friends of Jackson Park. Uh, I grew up on Potrero Hill, so Jackson Park has always been a fixture of my life. Every Sunday after going to St. Teresa's, my best friends and I would go to Jackson Park and use every square inch of it, every single part of the park that was mentioned as a public facility, spent hours playing on. Um, I'd guess that I've spent close to a thousand hours of my life at Jackson Park when you total up all the time spent there during the pandemic, when it was open for use space, plus just no, no. countless hours playing there as a child. Of those 1,000 hours, I would guess that I've spent one to two just walking around the fence to try and find an access point. So I think that's one part of the design that could really alleviate a lot of people's <laughs> enjoyment. Just a little bit of clarity. In one month's time, I will be 27 years old. The last time that Jackson Park was renovated, I was three. So in between the previous renovation and this potential renovation, I will have started and finished an entire preschool to college education. I will have left America to serve in the Peace Corps, serve my full duration, return to America, move across the country, move back to San Francisco. I spent half a year as a member at large of the Friends of Jackson Park Board, and then now I've been elected to serve as their secretary. So I think suffice to say my main point is that the Jackson Park design, we're overdue. This is a community-driven project, and I think the board has done a really, really remarkable job of trying to meet every standard that we can and make sure that this is a model for future park renovations moving forward. So I urge the commission to approve the design, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Next speaker is former Commissioner Eric McDonnell. Welcome, Commissioner. Thank you so much, President Buell, members of the commission, Ashley. Stacey, um, good to see you all. I just want to briefly step in and say, here we grow again. Appreciate this work at Jackson Park. It's a demonstration of your commitment both to equitable growth, appreciate your commitments to investing continuously in this district, and Jackson Park is just another example uh, of your commitment to that. I know on today's agenda is the equitable uh, development plan at India Basin um, and your equitable development plan overall for this work. And so I continue to watch and appreciate and celebrate your great work. And so my name is Eric McDonald and I approve of this work. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank uh, you for joining Commissioners, us. before we go back to public comment, just a just to know, Eric is uh, Commissioner, former Commissioner McDonald's doing more than just watching. He's still doing. He is one of our co-chairs of the India Basin Campaign Cabinet. So thank you, Eric, for Thank you for your service. Congratulations on Tuesday. Next speaker. Commissioners, uh, I'd like to just bring up to your attention the fact that 
I mean, I'm supporting all parks and all playgrounds in San Francisco, but I just want you to know that for the last 15 years, we fought hard, tooth and nail, to get 12 million, 2 million we couldn't even touch. It was for natural errors and trail work. They said we couldn't move that money. And then we fought again to get on a bond for 6 million that we're scrabbling for when the park needed over $100 million in repairs. And I'm talking about McLaren. I mean, I'm seeing Jackson Park fighting for 40 million. It's only four and a half acres. It's a four and a half acre park. We're 317 acres at McLaren, and we're fighting for six million. Thank you. Yeah. I believe we have a couple of commenters on our public line. Oh, come on up, sorry. <laughs> Good morning, my name is Julie Jackson. I'm, uh, I moved to Petro Hill around, or when I was about Jack's age, actually a little younger, in my early 20s. I've lived there for almost 30 years, you can do the math. I raised my children there. They learned to ride their bikes in Jackson Park. My son, uh, my children both graduated um, from SUFD, SFUSD schools. My son played baseball at Jackson Park. I'm also involved in the project, not just personally, but professionally. I'm uh, with the architecture firm that's designing the clubhouse. But I, um, this is a, I did want to speak a little bit to the community effort. Um, the professionals that are involved in this project are also neighbors. Um, my business and the landscape architecture firm are both in Dogpatch. We all live in Potrero Hill, and um, we're very grateful and we're very excited about the project um, as community members who live and are able to live and work and contribute to our own community. It's incredibly um, impactful for us, and we really appreciate your consideration today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now we'll move on to uh, the commenters on our line. If you could um, raise your hand if you'd like to speak by pressing star three. I believe we have three hands raised at the moment. If you could unmute the first speaker and I will let you know when your two minutes has elapsed. I'm just praying that I can hear them. Good morning, all. I'm Jude Deckenbach with Friends of Jackson Park. Hold on one moment. Uh, on I'm park. so sorry, Speaker. We'll need to turn the volume up, except because of all the technology. I don't know where that will happen. So if somebody could help me figure that out. Okay, you got it? Okay, why don't you start again, Speaker? Thank you. <clears throat> okay, good morning, all. I'm Jude Deckenbach with Friends of Jackson Park. And after working on this project for over seven years, I was super excited to be with you all today. Unfortunately, I'm sick, so I'm staying home. But please know that my inability to attend this meeting in person in no way reflects a laissez-faire attitude about this project. We are thrilled to be here today. And I'd like to start off by thanking Noah for his presentation. Good job. And I'd also like to acknowledge Abigail Maher's efforts on our behalf, too. As you know, Friends of Jackson Park has been working in good faith with our partner, Rec Park, since 2014 on this project. We've held 10 community meetings, nine separate stakeholder meetings, and countless coffees with neighbors and the community of Jackson Park users to gather input and feedback on the design and fundraising. And now that we've received CEQA clearance, we're ready to bust a move. Our beloved Jackson Park is the heart of our community, and with over 2,200 weekly active users, the fields and the playground have suffered significant wear and tear with such intense use. You know, the playground was updated in the 90s, so suffice to say, it's in need of a renovation, and neither the playground nor the club heart are ADA compliant. 
Our project is a model example of a successful public-private partnership with Rec Park, Friends of Jackson, and the other city agencies. And working with these city agencies and neighborhood developers, Friends of Jackson Park has raised over 30 million in pledged and donated funds from both private and public sources. And now we just need about 10 million more. So we'd like your help with that. But I'm speaking today to ask you to please support the Jackson Park renovation plan by approving the grant agreement between Friends of Jackson and Rag Park and this incredible and creative design concept by Fletcher Studio and Jackson Lyles Architecture. Thank you. Next speaker. Next speaker. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, my name is Nathan Mee. Um, I'm a resident of Potrero Hill. I live uh, a few blocks away from Jackson Park. Uh, and I just want to add my vote for approving this conceptual design. It's a tremendous design that reflects a great amount of work um, from folks in the neighborhood, a ton of community input, and would really revitalize this <clears throat> critical neighborhood asset. Uh, it's one that, as many people have noted, is heavily used by folks in the neighborhood in Potrero and Dogpatch and other surrounding neighborhoods, as well as people across the city of San Francisco who come to play softball and baseball. As Jude mentioned, the facilities um, are great, but they are well-loved uh, and ready for some maintenance and upgrades. And this project would really make a uh, tremendous uh improvement to the community. So I urge you to approve it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Azuri Pease Green. I am the executive director of Chair Community Resource Entity. I'm also part of Friends of Jackson Park, and I am stuck in traffic, yet am calling in, would be there in person, to really um, talk in support of this project. I do know that a lot of community outreach has been done to reach community all the way up into the public housing, which is where I run a nonprofit, as well as I did live all the way up until January 25th. So um, I know that a lot of outreach has been done, a lot of thought has been put into this project, as well as the entities that are part of the design team and other teams actually live in communities, which is something that is very, very important and vital for these different projects. Um, I do think that it would bring a lot more community together, as well as it will really help with all the different sports teams that will be able to play there, come together there, um, being able to just even having picnics um, with the dog walking and so much and so forth. Um, I really, really hope that you will approve the funding for this project, and I look forward to continuing this work. I think a lot of thought and people, they have actually really listened to community and the community input and have made adjustments and have taken their time to really be thoughtful. Um, and so I'm going to stop there. I thank you very much, and please approve this. Um, 
My microphone, oh, there it is, thank you. Um, thank you, speaker. I have no other hands raised on the public line. I did get another comment card on item seven, Albert. As a reminder, this is on item seven, Jackson Park. Uh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Albert Sandoval again from uh, Help McLaren Park and past friends of McLaren Park. I just want to bring uh, a point out that uh, you're always talking, uh, just like the past uh, commissioner just said, he mentioned equity, equitable plan, <coughs> equity zone. I understand that Jackson Playground is not an equity plan, equity zone. I may be wrong. Park. So if they're asking for an extra $10 million, I think that's what I heard. Um, I know you have fundraising. I got that. But you're asking for $10 more million, and I'm concerned about, you know, we have a safe and accessible parks for all. And I just want to put it out there. Yeah. McLaren Park is full of equity zone. We're in a poor, high-need area. So I just want to put it out there. If you're going to be spending all this money, those homes up there are worth three to five million dollars, or two to five million dollars in Petrero Hill. They just got a new park up there on top of the hill. I'm not against it. I just want to put it out there. I think we need to use this money. This our bond money that we pass faithfully. We need to concentrate on equity plan, equity zone. You guys always talk about it. You've talked about it for the last 30 years. Or no, since equity zone comment, I think it's about 15, 20 years. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing no further public comment, public comment is now closed. Commissioners? Questions? Yes, Commissioner Jupiter Jones. Hi, um, just a, a, just a, a small request. <laughs> um, super excited about this project and you know what it represents for um, the whole city. But in designing the redesign of the ball fields, you know this is one of the few parks that has lights, which is a super valuable thing um, for our ball players. And just if possible, I know there's a lot of considerations when we're designing the project to um, and to think about that those fields being large enough to be high school regulation size. Um, I think that, especially on this side of the city, our older kids and youth transitional age, you know, would benefit from having having a space for them to develop and, and play at too. So just wanted to get that on the record that if, if it works, please keep those ball fields big sized. Okay. Thank you. Understood. Thanks. Thank you. Any other commissioner comments? Seeing none, the chair would entertain a motion. I'd like to make a motion that we approve this project. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Let me, let me make two announcements um, before we proceed. Because items uh, 9, 10, and 11 all relate to District 10 and item 8 does not, uh, with the permission of the applicant on item 8, we're going to move that to follow item 11. So we'll be proceeding with item 9 as the next agenda item. And before we do that, I want to ask the general manager to uh, uh, re recognize the general manager to uh, give a token of appreciation. Yes. Oh, th uh, thank you, Mr. President. I just wanted to acknowledge, you see our uh, table back there, I forgot to say, uh, to uh, talk about this during my report. Uh, uh, our uh, wonderful team is providing information about both job opportunities and uh, recreation programs. So please visit our 
please visit our uh, table to learn more about either working for or playing with Rec and Park. Thank you. Okay, we are now on item nine, India Basin Equitable, Equitable Development Plan Update. They, they're gonna move it because they're gonna do all the like District 8, District 10 things. They're gonna move it to after 11. All right, good morning, commissioners. My name is David Froelich, and I'm a project manager with Rec and Park Capital and Planning and project manager for the India Basin Waterfront Park projects. I'm excited to be here as uh, a project manager for a project in District 10 and also as a, uh, a Bayview resident uh, for the past 12 years. I am here for discussion and presentation only on the status of the India Basin Waterfront Park project and the India Basin Equitable Development Plan. The There's India a bit Basin of feedback on the microphone. I'm assuming you can hear that, but I'm just letting you know if you can't that there's feedback. Not, not you, David. Can everyone hear me? Okay. Perfect. So the Indy Basin Waterfront Park Project is a partnership between Rec and Park Department, the A. Philip Randolph Institute, San Francisco Park Alliance, and the Trust for Public Land. The Equitable Development Plan ensures this waterfront park will benefit current Bayview Hunters Point residents while preserving the culture and identity of the historic neighborhood. It provides a blueprint for delivering a park designed by and for the community while improving economic opportunity and environmental health for its residents. I'm joined uh, by my colleague Jackie Flynn, who will come up and talk about the Equitable Development Plan in a minute after my update. The India Basin Waterfront Park renovation project is aimed at providing healthy community investment with environmental restoration goals and includes three main priorities. The first one to address decades of environmental contamination from boat building and repair activities. The second to create inspiring and rich, amenity rich waterfront parks that build community capacity and are reflective of the Bayview Hunters Point community. And lastly, to create a resilient, healthy and adaptive shoreline community. Just a quick reminder about the phasing and component, components of each phase. So phase one is the remediation project outlined in pink. We started that in March 2021 and wrapped up remediation in August of 2022. The second phase, also outlined in pink, is the 900 Ennis Park project, which is building a park on that rehabilitated site. Uh, it includes complete renovation of the historic Shipwrights Cottage, three new buildings, two piers, access uh, path throughout the park, as well as a connection to the Bay Trail. And lastly, phase three is the shoreline park renovation. Uh, and that is outlined in blue. And that includes uh, a new boathouse and pier, a new restroom building, new playground, new adult fitness center, and um, increased wetland and renovated shoreline for habitat. And now the exciting part, pictures. So as I mentioned, the uh, remediation phase started in March of 2021. We completed remediation in August of last year, 2022. As you can see in the, the images above, we have a before sh photo showing the, the enormous concrete piers that were 
there when we took over the site and the uh, dilapidated buildings throughout the site. The photo to the top right is during, showing the temporary water barrier that was installed to hold back the bay as we remediated this 2.5 acre site. And then lastly, the photo uh, of the after showing a, a nice, clean, remediated site. We had our groundbreaking last summer, as many of you remember. We had uh, a handful of commissioners there on a bright, sunny day, and it was a, a great moment to kick off the, the construction of, of phase two of the project. So phase two of the project started with um, the installation of 78 concrete piles, and I want to thank the community for their patience during that time. Uh, it was a, a very noisy effort, and uh, we successfully installed 78 piles in our in-water work window, which lasted between September and November 30th of, of last year. Uh, three other images. The first one on the left is showing the, the concrete decks and forms that are uh, being built right now on top of those concrete piles to, uh, to hold up the piers. The middle image shows the historic Shipwrights Cottage, which is currently being renovated. All of, all of the siding has been removed and is being restored. We uh, recently had a conservator out there to remove some newspaper that was hidden behind some of the walls that dates back to the early 1900s that we're going to use in our uh, opening of the, the historic Shipwrights Cottage. Um, and in the upcoming months, the cottage will be lifted 10 feet and uh, a new foundation will be built uh, where the cottage will then uh, rest on. And then lastly, the image on the right shows a bunch of uh, torque down piles, which are screw down piles that have since been cut off and those will hold the foundation of the food pavilion that will be just to the west of the historic Shipwrights Cottage. Uh, and lastly, for phase two, here's kind of an overall site image of the, the, the park. Uh, taking shape, you can see the piles on the very left-hand side of the image going out to the water. That will be the future piers with a, a art, public art component on top of it. Uh, and then in the middle, you can see a big uh, wood forms. That will be the, the smaller pier with a shop building next to it. And then the shipwright's cottage just to the right of that. And the third and final phase of the project is the India Basin Shoreline Park restoration. Um, we're currently working on construction documents and taking the, uh, the documents from 90% to 100%. We are uh, kicking off our regulatory and resource permitting process with uh, applications being sent out to all of our agencies. We will start our DBI permitting in April of this year, so next month. Uh, and then we are in the process of updating our cost estimate, looking at the, the schedule holistically to see our risks and conflicts that may happen with this uh, third and final phase. And we're doing an overall constructability review on the project. And then just a quick note on the project budget. Our, our project budget initiative is just shy of $200 million. A bulk of that budget goes towards construction uh, of all three phases, so remediation, phase two, and phase three. We have $15 million budgeted for the equitable development plan implementation, and then the rest is uh, administration and uh, project design fees. To date, we have a little under 140 million secured, um, and we are in, a, in the process of doing a robust uh, um, grant outreach for both public and state and federal grants to uh, fulfill our funding needs.
And now I would like to invite our special guest, Jackie Flynn from APRI to give a quick update on our equitable development plan and initiatives. Thank you, David. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Jackie Flynn. I run the A. Philip Randolph Institute, San Francisco. I'm actually joined by two of my staff members, both Kurt Grimes and Chica Mezzi. And as you guys all know, um, of course, we wanted a beautiful park to come into our community, but we didn't want to forget the fact that you're coming into our community. Um, and so my job has been to work really closely with the Rec and Park Department, really closely with our community so that my community could really articulate what we want and what we need um, and how we can actually help steer the plan for this overall park. And so uh, Phil and I have kind of ventured onto this journey for uh, several years now. Um, I really started back in, um, I think it was 2016, um, working with, um, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2016, working with our former supervisor, invited to uh, work on the steering committee. Um, but as we really began to talk about what this park transformation would be for the shoreline, we didn't want to just build a park, we wanted to build beyond a park. And so we went on almost a two-year journey with many community members that were here earlier. Not all of them could stay. Um, so we were joined by Jill, Jill Fox, we've got Oscar James, Coach Leela Pittman, um, Etsy Rogers, Rome Jones, which is a former youth commissioner for District 10. Um, but we really had a broad range of folks come out to help really talk about what equity was and how we develop equity together for this community. Um, so we were able to publish a really fantastic document, our equitable development plan, that covers six focus areas. Um, the first being identity and culture, really talking about how we anchor that space and what it looks like and how it feels to be in our neighborhood. Um, we've talked about workforce development, which I will um, actually cover a little bit deeper um, on my next slide. Um, we've talked about transportation and access, because you could build a great park, but what does it mean to get to it? And I was just talking to Stacy about how there are stairwells that lead down to that park, but they're not the easiest to um, come down, especially if you're traveling with a family and stroller and, you know, kids. Um, so we have been talking a lot about transportation and access and making that corridor a lot safer to just get across the street to come enjoy the park. In addition to all of that, of course, we're talking about a healthy community and a healthy ecology. Our shoreline has been one in which a lot of industrial activities have happened for decades. So one of the commitments that Phil you know, promised and kept the promise about was even if we couldn't raise all the funding to complete this park, we would come in and clean it and leave it better than it was um, when we found it which we've done, and you saw the first couple of phases of the park project already complete. In addition to all of that, of course, our young people um, are some of the most important things that we have in this community. So developing out programs that really resonate with young people, helping them continue to be innovative. And I love that comment that I heard from the young man about sports are great, but we're so much more than just sports. 
Um, and so continuing to get feedback from our community on how we can be innovative about those ideas and how we continue to engage our young people in these programs has been at the forefront of, of our project. And finally, one of the things that our Rec and Park Department usually doesn't talk about and usually doesn't address is the fears that people have around housing security and what that means to bring in a hundred and almost $200 million project. How does that impact this community in particular, one in which we have some of the lowest um, education levels as well as the lowest income levels, yet we have the most families in District 10. Um, so having these conversations with community have been extremely important as we address something that we do not want to cause, which is green gentrification and, you know, creating these really great parks, but not considering how that impacts directly the community that is adjacent to it. <clears throat> so here is just a glimpse of what it means to go beyond just building a park and really diving into our community. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, one of my staff members, Chica Mezzi, came up with a, a, a great idea to have a couch conversation and record some oral histories and some stories about what black experience is here in San Francisco and particularly Bayview Hunters Point. But again, an initiative to have conversations with our community to really um, document some of these stories that we can tell in the future park. Um, over the last couple of years, the India Basin Shoreline Park is a very beloved park, um, and it became a huge amenity for community members when they needed to get out of the homes but still sort of have social distancing. Um, so we were very innovative in thinking about how do we also create some digital equity and access through the park. So we were able to offer high-speed Wi-Fi internet, um, which is something that we want to continue to have in the future park space that we're redesigning right now. And also some lending devices. So when our Bayview library was closed, we actually borrowed all their computers. And if anybody needed access to a computer and internet, they could actually safely um, access everything right there at the park. And so we're, we're still thinking about how to continue to be innovative, how to continue to integrate technology into parks, um, which again is sort of like a new practice for um, park developments. I mentioned our work for workforce development program, um, and I'm gonna go ahead and tip my hat to my trade. So Commissioner Mazzola, you go back uh, many years with my father, James Bryant, um, but here was an opportunity for us to leverage the existing investments that our city has made in pre-apprenticeship pathways and sustainable jobs programs to offer these job programs to residents right here in the neighborhood or anyone that, um, that is associated with this neighborhood for various reasons. And so, um, Josue, your, your, your testimony about how this, um, this training opportunity has really gave you some hope and allowed you to transition from being in a very dark space to really thinking forward about how you can contribute back to your community. We have a lot of folks that have gone through this trades program that have actually been placed onto the park project. So they're very proud that um, they're able to actually build this park project. And so we're gonna continue this training pathway, um, working with our, our uh, trades union, who's actually um, comes out and, and trains all the individuals. 
Um, all these individuals, once they complete the program, are able to be indentured into the union, Local 261, and we've been talking about a few other trades as the, the work at the site actually shifts. But in addition to creating a training pathway, one of the very important things that we did was also work with local contractors, hiring local contractors and firms to actually do the work because we know that they're in turn gonna hire from community as well. So we're not just building up a workforce, we're also supporting our local businesses to really be successful and again to build this project right from the community. Um, again, thinking way ahead, we are talking to a community of black folks that at one point in time, we could not go to public parks or pools, I should say. Um, and we've been talking a lot about water access and it was so funny when we'd have conversations about kayaks because a lot of people were questioning like, who's that for? Is that for me? or is that for my kids, uh, generations down the road? And so we really were intentional in thinking about how do we reintroduce water safety and, um, and learning how to swim to this community. And so we um, hosted the Learn to Swim program, which we wanna continue to, um, to host throughout this next year. Um, we've actually hosted it right down the street at MLK Park um, at our local pool. And it was so great to have at least 60 to 100 kids come through this program and not only learn how to swim, but inspire other family members to think about being water safe. Because again, this park is, is really, it's really intended for this community. So we wanna figure out ways to do that without saying, plop, here we go, we just built a park for you and expect people to just trickle on in. This is a very, um, uh, it's a relationship building that we've been doing with our community for the last couple of years that I think is a, a very important approach to this program, to this project. Um, and so that's kind of the last of the, of the slides that I have, um, but I just wanna add, in every single aspect of this park project, community has been in participation, even with our campaign cabinet and so, um, there's been a series of tours where we've been inviting folks that potentially will donate and help us get to the final goal of our $200 million project. And of that, David mentioned that 15 million of it is earmarked just to invest in equitable development, invest directly into this community. And with that campaign cabinet, we've got folks like Oscar and like Leela who actually sit alongside millionaires and billionaires and folks that of course want to do good, but they don't necessarily have that strong connection to this community. And so for us, it was so important to add that layer of making sure that community voices were heard and appreciated through this process. And I think that's resonated really well because we've actually been very fortunate to um, have a ton of interest in both donations and then folks that come out to our park you know, they, they're so inspired and so compelled that they're actually reaching out to other folks that may not have heard about the project and may never have donated to parks before to do this. Um, and we were really fortunate to get a $25 million um, donation as sort of our cornerstone donation from the John Pritzker Foundation that really helped us kick off this entire momentum. Um, and that donation continues to, again, reinvest in our community, 
um, open up opportunities for our community to have space, to hold space in articulating exactly what we want and need. And so I'm just so very proud to, to be on this project. I'm very proud to serve my community and make sure that we're continuing to provide um, opportunities and pathways for, for young men and women that um, are growing up in this neighborhood. Um, and, and I'm just so appreciative of everyone that has come out to um, support our park project and even more appreciative that you guys are coming out and meeting us where we are. It's so very important to see your faces and hear your voices um, because we know that the goal is not just to build a park. This is really to transform a space for all of us to enjoy. Um, and then lastly, I just want to thank my son for, for coming out. He lives right up the street, um, so like literally two minutes away. Um, but I, I, just like I come from a long line of advocates, and, and my parents were very much pushing me in front of podiums to, to stand up for my community, I want to make sure I pass the torch properly to my son. So I just want to thank you guys all for your time. Very much. Thank I might you. say, I think we're very lucky to have you on board. Thank you for all your work. Okay, we'll now move on to public comment on item nine. I first have Oscar and then Latoya. If anyone else would like to comment on item nine, you can fill out a blue card or just come stand behind the podium and I'll call you up. Good morning again, Oscar James, native resident of Baby Hunters Point. I want to thank this commission. I want to thank the director, Phil. I want to thank the lady who showed me or taught me how to beg for money to get this park together. Her name is Liz. I'm her name is Liz. I'm bad on female names uh, for some reason, but anyway, we've raised a, quite a bit of money. I had a chance to meet John, who was one of the ones who put $25 million into the community. That was my first time ever meeting a person with that much money. Uh, we're, we're, we're born and raised in this community. We have never had a whole lot of access to the water, to uh, go and swim, to have a kayak that most people in our community don't even know what a kayak is. But we have an opportunity for the young people in this community to become business owners in this particular park, both uh, uh, doing uh, food preparations, working the kayaks, renting the kayaks out, uh, giving the people up on top of that hill the opportunity to start businesses as a young age become entrepreneurs owning businesses in their own communities. So I commend this commission, I commend my community, the people who are, a lot of them are not here today, but who comes out and put their input into trying to make this a better community than what it was when we, we came up in the community and the opportunities that it would give to our young people in the communities. So support this 100%. We still have a lot of money to raise, and by the time it's over, I'll be a professional beggar. Thank you very much. Thank you. Latoya and then Kurt. 
Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Latoya Pitcher. If I'm talking too loud, just tell me, but everybody else sound like mumble mouth. So, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to the commission, commissioners for doing the work of the commission and to our beautiful city of San Francisco. I am a San Francisco native, born here, raised in Bayview. Um, and I don't know how y'all sit up here all day. I'm ready to go. But thank you for your service. I'm here in support of the EDP plan. As a Bayview resident, I just want to give a special shout out to Ms. Jackie Flynn for being a unifier of this community. It's gone through so many changes over the years. I just made 40 in January, so I can say over the last 40 years, it's gone through so many changes, and there's so much division and so many efforts to divide us. It's incredible for someone to bring us together and make space for everyone that's a key stakeholder and make space for everyone's voice and honor everyone's legacy. The, the Bay, Bayview Big Five, I call them the founders of Bayview, they built a lot of the fabric of this city, the infrastructure, starting with how the SFO airport was built, the way the contract was designed. A lot of contracts today are designed with the exact same mechanics. And to honor that legacy with the EDP plan and the way it's structured, we'll be continuing that legacy. I also want to acknowledge Kurt Grimes for doing the work of canvassing and talking to strangers like me at the time and now we kind of know each other a little bit, but letting us know what's going on in our own backyard because so often people are making decisions about this community without the community. So I want to say thank you to everyone who came here today to hear this out and stayed long enough for item number nine. And I also want to encourage you all to please support this plan. This is what's going to change how we do business, not just in the city, but in the world. And this city is a progressive city. It is a beautiful city. I moved back here to raise my children here because I wanted them to experience the beauty of San Francisco, even when the streets aren't always clean, but the beauty of San Francisco and how we work together and come together and love on one another. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kurt. Happy birthday to you. Don't start the clock. Okay. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay, we can start the talk. Commissioners, uh, good afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, General Manager Ginsburg, it's nice to see you. My name is Kurt Grimes. I am the program manager with the A. Philip Randolph Institute, San Francisco. Yes, Jackie Flynn is my number one, my warrior princess. But I'm, I'm here to speak with you very briefly on the workforce development aspect. Behind me, Behind me is the second cohort that's going to go through to learn how to do the work in this park. So please take a look. Come on, you guys, don't be shy. They will undergo one week's, uh, I'm sorry, they will undergo one month's worth of occupational skills training. And after that, they will go into the laborers' union and they will go to work at this park. So I'm, 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 I'm wanting to say here is that this is the effect you have. You change lives by supporting this. This is a big deal. These people are a big deal. They live here and you are going to change their lives. I had to take a look at all of you because I wanted to make sure that you understood that these people here, they live here, and you're going to change their lives, right? Right. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else in this room who would like to comment on item nine? As a reminder, we are on item nine. Thank you. Hi, my name is Al Sandoval. I really uh, want to say that this is a great uh, opportunity for uh, the community to learn to swim. I want to say that I was born and raised in Bay Station Valley. I was a lifeguard for the Reckon Park uh, for about four years until 1980 when I graduated from high school. Um, Kaufman pulled has a lot of kids that don't know, that that didn't know how to swim that learned to swim there but there is a great need for visitation valley sunnydale just like there is here in the bayview so since it's in district 10 let's not forget kaufman pool make sure they have a program just like martin luther king pool because um, albert was there for many years and there was a couple other people i can't remember their names they were my locker attendants then they became lifeguard and senior lifeguard as time went by and now they're retired so time flies but we cannot forget the kids in visitation valley and in sunnydale they need a swimming program and uh, this is a life or death thing this is very important so uh, i want to commend uh, jackie flynn thank you thank you Thank you. Do we have any hands raised on our public line? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. As a reminder, this is, item is discussion only. Commissioners, did you have anything you wanted to say? Thank you very much. Comments, questions? Let's move to item well, 10. And I, Actually, I, uh, just Mr. President, just very General quickly. manager. Sure, thank you. Um, uh, you. You all got a, a, a pretty poignant snippet of why this project is so special and it, and it is unique and you know we uh, we have lots of parks and lots of park projects and lots of really active communities and this is not a, a slight on any other uh, on any other community but this community has been waiting a long 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 time for an opportunity like this and this is quite special so I just wanted to offer just a, a few quick thank yous uh, uh, Jackie uh, and, and Kurt and Eva and Chica and the leadership of APRI has been instrumental in this project and Jackie it has been nothing but a joyous journey to, to do this with you and I've learned so much from you and I've hoped you've learned a thing or two from me and, and uh, more to come and I really want to thank our own team. Uh, I see this is an all-in project for us so we've got everybody from every different division working on this but right now it's a big uh, capital construction project and a big fundraising project. So I want to give a shout out to, to uh, our captain of our capital division, Stacy Bradley, and our planning director, Yael uh, Golan, and then Kelly Rudnick, and of course our amazing project manager, Dave Froelich, who is, uh, I never see the guy sweat, and there's a lot to sweat about on this project. Uh, so thank you, Dave, and to Lisa Branston sitting uh, right uh, next to Dave and her entire partnership division. Uh, Let's be real here. We are trying to raise $75 million for this project in private philanthropy to go along with another $125 million of public funding. And the fact that we sit here today at 136 or $137 million of our $200 million goal is nothing short of extraordinary. So I want to thank the Commission for its support. Commissioner Buell, thank you for serving on the campaign cabinet with us. Uh, where is uh, Oscar? Oscar, it has been such a joy to 
get to know you throughout this and, and uh, you know, all of the EDP members and community members and people that you saw speak today, uh, we really are changing lives. We've got a long way to go, but this is uh, as special as it comes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I want to announce uh, that I apologize. I have a long-standing meeting across town um, that I couldn't get out of, but I want to thank District 10 and everybody in Bayview-Hunters Point for welcoming us to this spot and being such active members of the park and recreation community. Thanks. Commissioner Anderson, our distinguished vice chair, will take over from here. Thank you, President Mark. All right. We're now on item 10, District 10 Parks and Recreation Update. Stacy, you can go ahead and share your screen like you would normally. Good afternoon, commissioners. It'll, sorry, it'll just take me a second. You have a question? <clears throat> Item 10 for discussion only. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Stacy Bradley, I'm Director of Capital and Planning. Thank you very much for having us. I'm going to provide oops, a quick update on our capital projects and our capital efforts um, over the recent and ongoing for District 10, and then I'm going to hand it over to Eric Anderson, Superintendent of Parks and Open Space, who will provide an update on our maintenance efforts. And then we'll hand it over to Nick Williams, our Superintendent of Recreation, to give you an update on recreation in D10. So first we have some um, previous investments. We have spent, uh, for the past decade, investing in playgrounds, fields, baseball diamonds, a bike park, a skate park, community gardens. Um, there's a lot going on in District 10. And you've heard two of our upcoming projects, Jackson and India Basin, so I'm not going to um, provide more information on those, but I'm going to delve into a few others that you've not yet heard about. Uh, today, but you have heard previously. First, McLaren Park. We have an active planning process on how to program the next phase of our bond-funded improvements. There is a current project in design for signage, natural features, uh, feature restoration, and priority trail improvements, as well as multiple projects that have recently been completed like the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater Improvements, Visitation Avenue Crossing, Redwood Grove and the new restroom there, the Tai Chi Courts, the Multi-Use Courts, Community Garden, um, More Path Improvements, and McLaren Bike Park. And we are just beginning our work here. <clears throat> Next, we have Hearst Playground and Recreation Center. This is also within the uh, McLaren umbrella, but it's on the corner of... Um, on the corner touching Visitation and Sunnydale, we currently have a project at HERS Playground underway. It will open this year, and we are about to advertise our project at, for the new recreation center at HERS, um, which is just, uh, just in, in the same area, but a little farther away from the playground. And this will be open in 2025. 
And we have a project currently under construction at Esprit Park. It will open later on this year, and we're very excited, all of this investment, and um, to continue moving forward with these improvements at, in District 10 and finding new ways of making an improvement here. I'm gonna hand it over to Eric to give an update. Thank you, I hope you can hear me. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I'm Eric Anderson, superintendent of Parks and Open Space for the department, so I oversee landscape and custodial maintenance for all of our department, and I'm trying to just make this work here. Okay, that's better. Um, and I'm gonna give you a brief update on uh, park maintenance, so let me see if I can make this work. All right, just as an overview, what you have on your screen here is a quick map of uh, District 10 with about 25 plus parks. But within that and overlaid is our park service area, maintenance structure, uh, and that is the primary and essential unit by which we manage our parks and deliver those services. So you can see that on this uh, map, most of District 10 is within Park Service Area 3. Uh, with in the northern part, uh, Park Service Area 2. So Phil already mentioned some of this, but I really wanted to give a big shout out on the winter storm response that uh, our team has done this year. Uh, this has been a, both an incredible and great winter for rain, uh, but really impactful. Uh, in District 10, uh, Approximately 40 significant trees uh, failed, uh, and that was just part of uh, what was happening throughout the department. You know, flooding, erosion, all that work, uh, in addition to the normal work that our staff does on a day to day basis. And so it's been quite a few months. Uh, I really wanted to highlight our urban forestry team. Their skills are incredible. Uh, as they deal with these really significant public safety problems and, uh, you know, are able to just methodically and professionally uh, deal with, like, large trees that are all over the place and they, frankly, just dismantle them and they go away so quickly. Um, and so our urban forestry team, but our HEO people who work with them, and then on the ground, our gardeners just bear a huge burden of uh, a lot of tree work on the ground, but also all the cleanup work, which happens, you know, week after week. And so uh, a big shout out to all of them. Um, next. Uh, deferred maintenance. We have a couple key items in District 10. Uh, first, our... Uh, operations project management team, which delivers a lot of our uh, small to medium range capital projects. They're, they do court resurfacings and uh, fence replacements and all that kind of thing. And so uh, Little, Little Hollywood's getting a great facelift with a new safety surface in the children's play area starting March 23rd. Uh, and then uh, in the summer coming is uh, uh, athletic court and pathway resurfacing work. Uh, starting the summer. At MLK Pool, um, primarily our uh, structural maintenance team has been working on a lot of uh, work during a four-month closure uh, for preventative maintenance work. And a lot of this has been around uh, dealing with the 
substantial impacts of humidity that you get in a pool, uh, and its impact on uh, the structure and the metalwork in the building. So they've been doing a lot of preventive work on with painting, uh, HVAC work, and there is more probably more work to come at that building. But uh, we are opening, I believe, next week, and uh, my colleague Nick will have more information on that. Uh, finally, since you know we've talked and Stacy talked quite a bit about new park renovations. Uh, one of the most important things and highest on our agenda is uh, how do we and are we successfully maintaining those renovations. And uh, District 10, the Bayview, McLaren have seen a lot of work over the past five to seven years. Uh, and I would, I would like to think, I think we're doing pretty good. Uh, it's always uh, on the forefront of our minds. Uh, one of our uh, public comments said that the District 10 parks look pretty good, and um, I like to think that's the case. Uh, we are always striving for even better. Uh, but I did want to highlight just the incredible amount of work and ongoing improvement in those parks. And uh, if you haven't been to Bayview Playground, the park staff, after the completion of the capital project, has installed close to a thousand new plants in a lot of the planting beds throughout the park. And Bayview Playground looks really great, and uh, it's worth stopping by for a visit. Finally, uh, most importantly almost uh, for us, our staff, and who is doing the maintenance work. And this year, last six months, has been about hiring and filling new positions. And th this is very exciting for us and some uh, key leadership positions for us. Uh, in Park Service Area 3, many of you knew Robert Watkins, who was the former manager, and he retired not too long ago. And uh, we have hired Daniel Choi as his replacement. And Daniel uh, was the supervisor of McLaren Park, as many of you know. And I think many of you know him in this room. And I was going to ask Daniel to stand up. Uh, and so, you know, Dan Daniel will be uh, the key and or one of the key people who takes care of all these new park improvements and keeps taking care of our parks. And, uh, there is no more important position, I believe, in the department. So also, the other uh, far-flung part of District 10, Allison McCarthy takes over as manager for that area of District 10, and she replaces also a long-term veteran in the department, Steve Sismowski. And so Allie uh, is, uh, comes from our really high-performing apprenticeship program, and she was the supervisor there and now has promoted to manager. And then, uh, no less important, our, our new uh, McLaren Park Complex Park Section Supervisor, Laura Cicchetti, replaced Daniel. And then also in um, Park Service Area 2, we have our Civic Center Park Section Supervisor, Dave Williams, who all have been recent hires. We've replaced half of our park service managers, a third of our park section supervisors over the past uh, six months. And so it's been really exciting and a lot of new, new faces and new people. So with that, I am going to pass it along to my colleague, uh, Nick Williams.
Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, Nicholas Williams, superintendent for recreation and community services. I'm glad to be here with you. Before I give you the uh, updates from District 10, let me uh, introduce to you some of the superstars who help to make recreation and community services so great. I have all of my managers here today. And so um, let me introduce to you Chris, who is our cultural arts manager. Um, I've got Linda, who is our equity and peace parks manager. Jimmy, who is sports and athletics. Um, Toby is not here, he's sick, but he runs Cat Mather for us. Um, I've got Jackie, who runs community services. She's in the back. And, and uh, Danny, who is um, aquatics and, I'm sorry, aquatics and swimming. Um, and then, obviously, everybody always has um, a, a superstar counterpart. Um, so sometimes I'm Batman, but sometimes I'm Robin. And I share that other counterpart with my assistant superintendent, Anne-Marie. And so, uh, um, so District 10 is very alive with all types of programming for, uh, for TOTS, thank you, TOTS youth, adult programming, and seniors with all types of classes. Um, we have, uh, I'm showing you, I believe I'm showing you pictures from Petrero Recreation Center, which has after school, spring classes, summer camps. We run SFBL there. We have Peace Parks there on Wednesdays and Friday nights, seasonal sports. Um, and there are other, a slew of other um, amenities and playgrounds in the District 10. We have Jackson Playground, which you heard from before, currently has an after-school program there. We have Silver Terrace, where we play baseball. We have Youngblood Coleman, where we have our TLC, our Tennis Learning Center program um, at Youngblood Coleman. We also play baseball there. We have Peace Parks there on Wednesday and Friday nights also seasonal sports. Obviously, we're here at Jolie, where we have after-school programs, spring break camps, all types of spring classes, Peace Parks on Thursdays and Fridays. We have a senior sewing class, line dancing, and a host of other classes. We also have Gilman Field, where we play baseball on the field. We have two swimming pools, MLK Pool, which is uh, set to reopen um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have Kaufman Pool, um, where we do um, swimming lessons and provide a variety of other aquatic programming. We also have Hertz Playground, where we have after-school programming, peace parks, summer camps, and late-night peace hoops. And we also have Biz Valley Playground. So um, before the meeting got to be a little uh, longer, uh, you would notice that the bleachers were full of fans. Most of those fans were recreation employees. And so we do have uh, recreation employees here with us. Um, can I just ask that you all stand up and be recognized for the work that you do in the community? Thank you very much. Anybody want to speak next? We have one member of the public who's filled out a blue card, Linda. Come on up, Linda Lighthouser, volunteer extraordinaire. Hello, commissioners. Thank you for all being here. This is a wonderful experience to have the commission in a remote location in our side of town. Um, I'm wearing my hat at this moment of being a volunteer though I do assist the recreation department at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater, which I'm so proud of. 
But today I wanted to talk to you about accessibility issues, mobility issues. The Jerry Garcia Amphitheater is located about a city block from the parking lot. And for that, we have often encountered a lot of experiences where uh, older members of the community or people with mobility issues need a little assistance. So our group is exploring the idea of getting a golf cart or some other type of electric vehicle that can shuttle passengers and people from the parking lot to the stage area to avoid a lot of car congestion and also to just make the experience more pleasant. So it's a very small ask. Unfortunately, it doesn't come under the capital plan because it's not a capital project. But I just wanted to make you aware of the fact that there are some simple, small solutions sometimes that can make a huge difference in our parks. And I appreciate any of your help in securing that kind of a program for us. Thank you. Linda, Linda how much does a golf cart cost? Oh, maybe we should know that. I think McLaren. we have to do some serious investigation on that and also rental. And we've been in touch with the gardening staff about possible places we could store it. So I think it's very doable, but I think we need to look at uh, how we can make this happen. Stern Grove does have an ability to bring disabled and people with mobility issues closer to the stage area. So. It seems logical that perhaps during our concert season, on a case-by-case -case basis, we could make an arrangement to have that kind of service at okay. the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Fran. Well, you already heard what I had to say, but I'm going to reiterate some of it and be Can't more detailed. You. And be more detailed. How's that? Okay. Fran, speak yes. directly into the mic. I am. <laughs> okay. Speak up. <laughs> okay, here I am. <laughs> um, first off, I want to, um, I just want to say I hope that there will be more attention paid to outdoor education. I really applaud um, the speakers before who were talking about sports for kids and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's really great. Perfect. But we also need outdoor education, particularly in this time of climate change and green infrastructure, there's going to be new jobs coming up in that field. You know, landscape architects, um, engineers, you know, we teach kids in Viz Valley and some of them, one of them just got into Davis and he said he was inspired by what we're doing and what we've been teaching him. We need more of that. It's not just jobs, you know, um, they need a better education. We need opportunities in the southeast. And for the uh, native plant garden we're building um, between the middle school and Kaufman Pool, we really, it's a, supposed to be a venue for outdoor education for children and we would like, and adults as well. Um, we would like to have a, um, I haven't brought this up to Lauren yet. <laughs> Uh, in detail, but we'd really like to have some kind of storage area so teachers could come there and have access to equipment and drawing supplies and things like that. That's all. Thank you. Seeing no further public comment and none on our public line as well, public comment is closed. 
Commissioners, did you want to say anything else before we move on to the next item? No, please announce the next item. We are now on item 11, 2023 Racial Equity Action Plan, New Progress Report Update. And Patrick, if you have a presentation, you could just press share at the bottom of the screen. Welcome, Patrick. Can we get some help with the mic? Yes, sure. Yeah. We're just going to adjust this up so I speak directly into the microphone. Yeah. Speak up too, Patrick. Yes, will do. Well, I was going to start and say good morning, but it's actually good afternoon. So thank you. Um, my goal this today is really to share with you and the public a fresh insight as it relates to advancing an understanding of what's possible in government work, government transformation. You heard earlier this after, this today that from Ms. Flynn from the Randolph that they're transforming Indian Basin. And that is truly transformative for the community. As you can tell from the presentations today, not only do you know, we have the pleasure of working with dynamic folks on the recreation side, with programs and services, with people, but on the park side and our capital side. So today, we, I'm here for a twofold is to provide you, commissioners, with an update relative to our Racial Equity Action Plan Phase 1, and then two, to share with you what our new reporting template is for the 2023 cycle. Okay. So when we see this particular slide for the public, you individuals know, but sometimes when we go out to the field, not everyone knows what is the genesis? What brings us together? Where do we receive our energy from? And this is from the individuals here, our general manager, Phil, Mayor Breed, is that they have really established and expanded our activation of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging that lends to ensure that our policies, our programs, and our services are reflected of our values, in public policy and in our public practice. And that is what you have heard thus far today. You see it embedded within the Recreation and Park Department, once again, in our capital side, in our recreation side, in our park side, and in our administration support. So this is also to refresh your memory as it relates to a strategic plan. One of our colleagues, a little while back, Taylor Emerson provided you and the public with a strategic plan uh, update. And that report provides part of the, the, the backbone of the racial equity action plan. So I, so I take this opportunity because I want you to think of linking that together. And that's the, the, uh, the, the purpose of this because it just shows that we collaborate, uh, once again, across all divisions within the department. This picture was is staff of the Recreation Park Department from our Black Heritage Luncheon that recently took place the last day of February 
over at the County Fair building. So we always like to give a shout out to, to staff when we have that opportunity. But this is the link from the strategic plan to our racial equity action plan. And in that racial equity action plan, you will see before you our seven focus areas. We've gone through these before, so I won't go through them in, in detail now, but I did want you to not only hear, but to visually see a link between our strategic plan and our racial equity action plan as it relates to how this organization then not only embraces, encourages, and then embeds the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging principles. Now, when we speak about those seven particular focus areas, what you were not exposed to when I first brought this issue to you were that the goals of the Racial Equity Action Plan. And that's why this linkage is very important. So, what this slide provides for you is that not only do you have in highlighted form the seven focus areas, but you also have the goals that are laid out under each. So the question that individuals have asked, and what we will get to on slide nine, because that's where we're going to report to you what is our new reporting form, is that we look at not only our, oh, this has gone forward here. We work through our affinity groups because it's one of our highlights within our department. So for example, in your uh, staff report, we recognize some of our accomplishments in these past couple years for the department. One of the areas that we are most proud is the growth of our affinity groups. Now, so far within the department, as you can see before you, you have the Dice Women's Group, Black Women's Group, our Boots on the Ground, our LGBTQ plus I a group, our black men's group. We are just now forming our Asian American Pacific Islander group and I, this next 40 days, I want you to be mindful that the May is AAPI month. So be on the lookout for some type of in engagement. That's all I can say for now. And we are also looking, because we are just now forming, our Hispanic Latino group. So part of the question as it relates to affinity groups, and yes, we have a draft structure. We have drafted a charter and bylaws. We are working with our Office of Racial Equity. But most important to our department is how do we go about and build that culture of belonging. Sometimes belonging is the word that's tossed on at the end as we think about, oh, the policy side. What is diversity? What's equity? What's inclusion? At the end of the day, it's really about belonging. How do we connect with the people that we work with? How do we connect with the people that we serve? So this is an example, if you will, of how we build within our affinity groups so that 
we can grow that experience for our, for our staff, which allows us to, to deliver a particular service. So for example, how do we create the interest and membership? How do we discuss our experiences and our shared knowledge? And then we're also in the process of bringing in training and technical assistance for our facilitators within our affinity groups. Because the better that, that we are prepared to discuss the programs and services that we de deliver for the public, and we build these within our colleagues, then we feel that we can create greater experiences for the people that we serve. We do this through, initially, as I said earlier, you have your focus areas, we have our measurables, and we have our achievements, and, and we look at functionality. And the term functionality, frankly, we're, we are not there just yet, but we're looking to create a, an electronic safe space. So think of a affinity group platform by which we can create opportunities for staff to meet, to share experiences, to share documents, and to share a public-facing channel within the platform such that then the public can engage uh, with us. So part of that is how do we go about our um, shared experiences with the public? And we've, so far, the department has, we think of our, our pride paid participation. You think of our staff winter holiday celebration and our most recent Black Heritage Luncheon. So this is where we are today relative to the Office of Racial Equity. We are responsible for delivering our progress report. And these are the two questions that we are in the process of answering. The very first one, what is an equity practice that your department has implemented in the last year and can share with other departments? I will share with you, we are focused on our affinity groups. And that will be the backbone of our response to this particular question. And once again, I'm sure that I don't know which commission meeting. We'll hear from uh, Ashley and from uh, Phil. Uh, once we submit that, we will share that uh, with you. And then the second question is, what is an equity practice as a priority for to learn from not only this, but from other departments for this upcoming year. Our area, Matt, if, if I may. Three particular areas that we're gonna address in this for other departments. How are you going about changing perspectives, attitudinal, and experiences? Because as a department, what can we partner and what can we learn from other departments and how can we bring that to our department which allows us to go about and deliver the services that we do to the public. So it's in those three particular areas, changing perspectives, attitudinal, and experiences, that's the question we have for other departments. That concludes the report today. I thank you, and we stand ready to 
answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Before we get to Phil, I'd like to see if any of my fellow commissioners have any questions for Patrick. Raise your hand if you have any questions. Okay, Vanita, please. Thank you for the report, or this report, very well done. I'm just curious about the other affinity groups. I see that uh, the black affinity group has a men's group and a women's group. Will that be true with the other affinity groups? Uh, at this time it is not. Um, I support our affinity group's leadership. So uh, think of this as an organic process. So as they decide to move forward and structure, I support them in that. And as of this time, they're within the, the names that I shared with you. Perfect. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. General Manager Ginsburg, did you have a comment or a question? Uh, no. No. Oh, your hand is up. I, sorry. Your I just, uh, I, we, we should probably do public comment, but um, I did want to just thank, you know, Patrick and, uh, Stacy and Lamont and Jackie, who have been our racial equity action leaders for, um, you know, this is a, in some respects, while the values uh, have been around for a long, long time, the actual systems and the mechanics are a bit of a startup for us. And uh, I really appreciate all of the effort uh, and caring thought that's gone into it. Thank you. All right, do we have any public comment? You have to come. You have to come over to the microphone. It would be okay. easier to hear you if. You or I can bring a microphone to you. <laughs> Once again, hello, commissioners. This is Larry C. Jones, Jr from the Sunnydale Public Housing Projects. I just want to speak after Mr. Lynch. I really was excited to hear this uh, item be heard. And I just wanted to let you guys know the importance of infinity groups as it relates to myself as an African-American man who works for a highly prestigious organization. It's, it's, it's critical that we have our space, that we have our platform, because the things that we experience as a culture we need to identify with ourselves sometimes in a non-judgment environment where we can get our things off our soul. It's a health measure for our spirit. It's good for our quality of life. And it gives us a voice together that we're usually held back from having systematically. So to hear Mr. Lynch say that they have infinity groups for men and women is something that I'm trying to introduce to Mercy Housing myself. But it's critical for our salvation. So I don't want you to miss the importance of it because to have that platform allows me to go home and say, you know, the work that I do and the stress that I'm, up, that I'm under in this harsh world that we live in as African-Americans, I have a place where I can be heard, understood, and loved by my superiors and my peers who go through what I go through. It's important because we are systematically whooped over decades and generations and it's well beyond reparations. We need infinity groups. So I just wanted to comment on that, that it is critical that we're allowed to have that. It makes for a better work environment. It works for, and when you got a better work environment, you have better delivery for your people. 
of the city because you have happy workers. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have uh, one hand raised on our public line, so you can unmute the first caller. Let's move along. Speaker, are you there? Let's move along. Okay. Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners, do you have anything else? You have a comment about this item? While we're still on the affinity groups, I uh, left out a couple of things that I wanted to talk about earlier about the uh, Black Heritage Luncheon. I wanted to recognize that Commissioners Buell, Anderson, Hallisey, and Vanetta, Vanita Louie were also present. We had a wonderful, wonderful um, double Dutch exhibition uh, done by Cynthia Wheeler that kind of brought the house down for a minute. <laughs> and then there's also the special thanks that I wanted to give out to the folks from the affinity groups that put it together. And that was Jackie Battle, Lamont Bishop, Samantha Booker, Sophia Bounds Turnspeed, Sharice Coates, Channing Hale, Atujane Jaru, Patrick Lynch, Marvin Mouton, Margaret Piera, Ian Talley, Shawanda Turner, Cynthia Wheeler, Stacy White, and Nick Williams. So I, maybe a round of applause for all those folks. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. So that was for discussion purposes only. So let's go back to, is it item eight? Yes, we are now on item eight, 98 Franklin Street Shadow with Chris Towns. Thank you, Ashley. Can you hear me? Good. Yep. Thank you. Just, uh, That's okay. I don't know if you can do that. I think it's outcome. Just to show the scenario. That's fine. 
Thank you. Thank you, Commission Liaison, and good afternoon, Commission. Uh, my name is Chris Towns. Uh, I'm a planner with the Recreation and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division. And uh, I'm joined today by Christy Alexander from the Planning Department, uh, the project planner on the case. Our presentation will provide you with a summary of the proposed mixed-use development at 98 Franklin Street um, and its shadow effects upon five parks under the jurisdiction of Rec and Park, including Page and Laguna Mini Park, Patricia's Green, Koshland Park, uh, the Future Park at 11th and Atoma, as well as Hayes Valley Playground. Uh, this item is actually a rehearing of this project that was previously heard by the Rec and Park Commission on May 21st, 2020 in which the commission uh, recommended that the project would not have a significant adverse impact on these parks. However, since then, the project sponsor has revised the project uh, with slight design and massing modifications, which has somewhat altered the uh, annual shadow loads upon the parks, requiring updated shadow analysis by the commission. The uh, Reckon Park Commission's review of shadow cast by this project uh, is derived from Planning Code Section 295, which applies to buildings over 40 feet in height, um, which also derived from Prop K, the Sunlight Ordinance, adopted in 1984. Um, as a guidance tool, the 1989 memo provides uh, quantitative as well as qualitative criteria for determinations of significant shadows. Uh, this commission's consideration is aimed at recommending to the Planning Commission as to whether or not the proposed shadow would pose a significant adverse impact on the use of the park properties. Um, at this time, I'd like to pass it to Christy Alexander from the Planning Department, uh, who will provide a brief overview of the project description, uh, the community outreach, as well as the public goods served by the project. Uh, Christy, if you're there. Yes, thank you, Chris. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Good afternoon, Commissioners. I'm Christy Alexander with Planning Department staff. And the updated project before you involves the demolition of the existing surface parking lot and the construction of a new 38-story mixed-use building, reaching a roof height up to 400 feet tall, about 431 feet 6 inches, inclusive of rooftop screening and mechanical equipment. And um, the project includes a total of approximately 560,543 gross square feet of uses. Um, with those being residential as well as the French American International High School atop on the first five-story podium. Um, per the development agreement that they're now bringing forward, the updated project's method of affordable housing compliance under the planning code is a land dedication. And specifically, the project sponsor will dedicate a site currently proposed as 600 Van Ness Avenue. Um, to the city for purposes of constructing a 100% affordable housing project. Uh, the land would be dedicated at no cost to the city. So the updated project proposes 385 units. Um, as currently entitled, the 600 Van Ness project includes 168 units, but 35% of the proposed project would bring that um, up to 33 more units than what is required by the planning code. So the primary design changes include um, just the footprint massing and general articulation of the previous and updated project are substantially similar with the most notable difference being that the updated project's roof line is four stories taller than the previous project iteration and has a more pronounced sloping V-shaped parapet on all four sides. 
the modified project provides four levels more of housing with this increased height. The project sponsor has prefaced the project um, with the neighboring district supervisors and there have been no new letters of support or opposition um, sent to the city to date. Um, previous project um, outreach included outreach to the Civic Center, CBD, SPUR, SF Housing Action Coalition, SF Chamber of Commerce, local business owners, merchant community, and the Hayes Valley Merchant As um, Association who expressed support and previous outreach also included support from SF Jazz, SF Ballet, the Church of the Advent of Christ the King. So the project includes the following public benefits. The project would construct a project at a height and density envisioned by the hub plan. And the project would construct 385 dwelling units to increase the city's supply of housing in an area designated for high density residential uses due to its proximity to downtown and accessibility to local and regional transit. The project would fulfill its affordable housing obligation via dedication of a, a site, 600 Van Ness Avenue, as I said, um, for purposes of constructing a 100% affordable housing project. The project would contribute to the city stock of family size units by providing um, 110, 29% of the 385 total dwelling units as two bedrooms or larger. The project would help to activate the district by providing approximately 3,100 square feet of retail um, space to create a more vibrant pedestrian realm within the hub. And the project would enhance the street frontages by providing comprehensive public realm improvements along its frontages, including street trees and sidewalk widening. And that is all from planning staff. Um, I'll turn it back over to Chris and I'll be available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. Uh, for orientation purposes, uh, the map on the left here is a plan view of the project site in relation to the five shadowed parks. Uh, the furthest shadowed park is approximately 0 .4, 0.4 miles away, uh, which is Hayes Valley Playground. Um, the image on the right is the existing project site in relation to its built environment. Here is a visual comparison of the project's full year shadow fan between the updated versus the previous project on the right. Um, as you can see, uh, the updated annual shadow fan closely approximates the same footprint as the previous project upon the surrounding neighborhood uh, with slight deviations, both increases and decreases along various portions. Uh, the updated project does shadow a park that was not previously shadowed, Hayes Valley Playground, uh, park number one on the map here, which is also the furthest one from the project site. Um, as provided in your packet, uh, here are the park layouts, uh, plan images of the parks depicting some of their programmatic elements. Um, parks range in size from the smallest being uh, Page and Laguna Mini Park, which is about 6,600 square feet to the largest, Koshlin uh, Park, which is about 36,000 square feet. Um, programmatically, the parks are also diverse in terms of uh, the elements they contain. For example, Hayes Valley Playground and Koshlin Park have some of the more active spaces, such as children's play areas, sports courts, exercise areas, whereas Page and Laguna Mini Park and Patricia's Green have somewhat more passive spaces, uh, such as grassy expanses, plazas, and landscaped edges. Uh, the future park at 11th, 11th and Natoma uh, aimed at providing additional open space for anticipated growth within the Soma and Market and Octavia area plan 
will be about a quarter, uh, be about a half acre size site uh, with frontages along Minna, 11th, and Atoma. Uh, through extensive community outreach conducted by our capital planning staff, the image on the right shows the, con uh, the community preferred concept plan at this point for this future park. Um, this plan is referred to as the terraces, um, and it strikes a good balance between passive and active spaces uh, with an active terrace, a play area, and a central garden terrace that's uh, including landscaping uh, and group seating areas, as well as the community plaza. Uh, public outreach and development of this plan is ongoing. Uh, upon approval from the San Francisco Environmental Planning Department, as well as, uh, as, well as a civic design review, uh, the project will eventually seek concept approval by this body, uh, likely in the coming months, um, before entering into its final design phase. Pivoting to the quantitative and qualitative uh, summaries of each park, I just want to preface by saying that the updated project's quantitative net change in shadow load from the previous project ranges from as little as actually a decrease, a negative 0.01%, uh, to as much as a 0.05% increase. Um, this slide provides a summary of Page and Laguna. Um, the image on the right compares the maximum net new shadow days between the previous and the updated projects. Um, which previously occurred on June 14th and June 28th at 6.48 a.m. Um, and now occurs on June 21st at 6.46 a.m., so nearly identical. Uh, qualitatively, shadow behavior throughout the year remains largely the same in terms of time of year and time of day. Um, shadows occur in the spring and summer and only during the early morning hours, uh, 6.45 to 7 a.m. Uh, average duration is 15 minutes. Um, and with regard to shadow location, as before, new shadow falls over the northern edge of the park, but would now include a sliver on the south portion covering a walkway and small portion of the community garden. With regard to Patricia's Green, the updated project has a 0.5% uh, shadow load increase. This is the largest one as compared to the previous project. Um, the maximum net new shadow remains the same occurring on October 4th. Um, at 8.45 a.m. Qualitatively, in, time, in terms of time of year and time of day, updated project shadows still occur in the summer and spring, but for approximately two more weeks, um, and only during the early morning hours, beginning at 8 and ending by 9. Uh, average duration is increased by one minute from 39 to 40 minutes. Um, and with regard to location, as before, the updated project shadow still affects all portions of the park with just a slight increased uh, at the northern edge, the picnic area. Uh, for Koshland Park, the updated project has a 0.022% shadow load increase as compared to the previous. Um, the maximum net new shadow occurs on June 7th and June, uh, July 5th at 6.52 a.m. Um, instead of at 6.48 a.m. Uh, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, the updated project remains largely the same occurring in the spring and summer months, but for 14 more days a year. Um, and still in the early morning hours, 6.45 a.m. and retreating off the park by seven. Um, the average duration increases from five to seven minutes. Um, updated project shadow is slightly larger with uh, across the eastern third of the park. Um, moving on to 11th and Natoma, the future park. Um, Maximum net new shadows remain in the same area, the southwest quadrant of the park, on June 14th and June 28th at 7 p.m. 
So all the other ones were kind of morning hours. This is the one that's in the evening. Um, qualitatively, in terms of time of year and time of day, updated project shadows remain uh, same as before, just increased area across the uh, southwest corner of the site, which is anticipated as being an adult fitness area. Lastly, for Hayes Valley Playground, uh, which was not shadowed previously by the project iteration before, would now experience a 0.01% shadow load increase. Um, the maximum net new shadow occurs on March 15th and September 27th at 8.03 a.m., retreating off the park by 8.15 a.m. Um, shadows would occur in the spring and fall in the morning hours from 8 to 8.15 a.m. typically, uh, and on an average of nine minutes when present. So in closing, um, I just want to highlight that the 1989 memo provides quantitative as well as qualitative criteria for determining whether a project shadow would pose a significant adverse impact on the use of the park properties, as summarized in the presentation. Um, these charts kind of summarize the net new shadow change for all the parks, um, as well as the uh, quantitative metrics embedded in the 1989 memo based on uh, park size and existing shadow loads. Um, that concludes my presentation, and Christy and I are available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Any of our commissioners have any questions for Chris? Uh, Joe Hallisey, please. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chris. You, sh you seem to be the shadow presenter for the department. <laughs> it seems which, that way, yes. Which I am very happy about, <laughs> because you give great reports, and, and they're very thorough. Um, I noticed there is a, a slight increase in the size of shadow that affects a pathway and a bench on the, on the south side. For which park in particular? Yes. Well, my point is, though, mm -hmm. that, and I know you have to give the numbers. Yes. You have to give the quantitative. I get that. Right. But I know I personally think the qualitative is more important. Right. And I... I see that, you know, if, if the shadow is affecting someone strolling through the park or somebody that wants to just have a snack in the park, right. I don't think that's impactful right. myself. Uh, to me, what would be impactful if it affected a children's play area right. or where people were recreating. Right. So that, that seems to be... The area on the south is what I'm talking about, if I have that right. That area is the most impacted, but it just affects a pathway and a bench. Is that correct? For which park are you referring to? Um, is it Natoma? The Natoma, so I guess be, uh, I'll answer that question, but I just want to sort of preface by saying I think what stands out to me about the summary of these parks and the shadows uh, from this project is that well, is it the park at 11th in Natoma? 11th in Natoma is a future park, uh, which okay. would have an adult activity area, potentially, in that corner. So I think the shadow would cover a portion of that. Um, but what stands out to me, generally speaking, is that four of the five parks, uh, this project would shadow them from in the early morning hours, no later than 9 a.m. And for 11th in Natoma, it's uh, from 7 to 7.30 p.m. So thankfully, I think for all of our concerns about park use and active and passive spaces, um, it, thankfully, I think this project is 
shadowing these parks, but in the very early morning hours, four out of five, and then in the evening, late evening, for uh, the, the future park. Very at good. At 11th and Atoma. Understood. Thank you, yeah, Chris. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for that clarification. Any other commissioners have a question? All right, any public comment? Please proceed. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Jim Abrams. I'm land use counsel to the project sponsor. We have a, a, a presentation to give, uh, but we want to thank staff for their very complete presentation. And we're here if you'd like to see the presentation, but I think it's, it's relatively redundant with what was just presented. So for the purposes of efficiency and time, we're, we're here. Uh, the project architect, Mark Schwetman from SOM, is here. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Thank you for quick thinking on your feet. I don't know about my fellow commissioners, but I'm starting to fade. We have two hands raised on our line. Please proceed on the line. Speak up. It just it takes a moment because they request them to unmute and then they have to unmute. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next speaker. If the first speaker still needs to speak, just press star three. Speaker, are you there? Okay. Seeing right. no further callers, public comment is closed. All right, so this is an action item. We are to determine whether the additional shadow load, whether we consider it to be a significant adverse impact on the project. Commissioner Mazzola. Thank you. Um, I would like to make a motion after hearing the testimony um, and its minimal impact that this project will not have a significant adverse impact. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, or are we gonna do a roll call? No, you can do all in favor. Mm -hmm. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposition? It passes unanimously. Thank you, Commissioner Mazzola. The next item, I believe, is 12? Yes. General public comment. 12, general public comment. If there's anyone who would like to speak on an item that was not on today's agenda, but that didn't already speak during item number four, please come up to the podium if you want to speak for general public comment, okay? Seeing nobody in person, do we have any hands raised on our line? I, I hope, okay. She said 90 and then she meant nine people on, but no, <laughs> no hands raised. Okay, thank you, Jeanette. No Seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. We're now on item 13, commissioners matters. Commissioners, do you have anything? I just wanted to take this moment to say that the presentations around equity and access are amazing. What this department has done is, is life-changing. And I can tell you that there's no better thing than to walk in a mile in the shoes of your sisters and brothers. I learned a lot during my time operating a business here in the Bayview. And I can tell you that what people want is investment in their youth they want more programming and they want more mentorship. And I heard people come to speak about that. So although I know that we've already planned things for the next couple of years, 
I hope that all the powers that be in Reckon Park heard these things and that we will continue to invest in programming that goes beyond sports. Anybody else have anything they want to say? Go ahead, Vanita. I want to thank the Rec and Park Department and everybody that, and there was a lot of people that made today possible. And thank you, Stacy and Ashley. Um, it's been a real pleasure. There was no rough bumps. And we're, uh, as commissioners, I think I can speak for the rest of us, we're very happy to be out here in the Bayview. We heard a lot of stuff and um, it just warms our heart. And a few of us will stay afterwards if you have a, a question or two, but we wanna thank everybody. It was just a wonderful morning. Thank you. I'd just like to take a second to thank the community for having us. Um, it's been a real pleasure and um, this is what citizen participation's about. Um, it, it's just like at the core of, you probably hear this word a lot lately, democracy. It's at the core of our democracy. So it's very important. So Bayview, thank you. Commissioner Hallisey, yes. I want to say that uh, yesterday I had some time in the afternoon. I'm familiar with this neighborhood. Uh, I was a fireman for 30 years here in the city and my first house was at Shafter and Ingalls, Station 17. I was there for five years, so I'm well aware of the neighborhood, but I came out yesterday afternoon for a little refresher course, and I came here to Joe Lee, and, and just a, a great welcome from Jackie and Fulton and Sammy, and I saw Ray Kelly this morning. I went to Casey Jones, I went to MLK Poole, Gilman, Adam Rogers, an absolute jewel at Oakdale and Ingalls, I had never set foot in that little playground, Silver Terrace, Youngblood Coleman. The facilities in this area are tremendous, and it's only going to get better. And the upkeep of the staff, the welcoming nature of everybody I met yesterday was much appreciated. Uh, I am thrilled that we could take our show on the road today. And I know it was a lot of work for a lot of people. Shout out to Ashley and, and to Stacy and all of the members of the RPD staff that help with this today. But if we don't have the citizens, we're probably not out here. So thank you for your part participation as well. It's been a great day. Thank you. And Phil is reminding me, good point, all the folks from SFGovTV. Thank you. I know you had to go the extra mile today That's too. Me. So thank you very much. I just want to echo that too about how much I enjoyed being out here and I, I, I know it takes a lot of work that's not lost on me. Um, I really hope that we get to continue this and visit all of our other neighborhoods and districts. I just feel like being here really gives us a sense of the spirit of this neighborhood. Um, it helps us really get to know what this neighborhood wants, where it's going, what it needs. Um, and I really hope that we get to do more of this. So thank you everyone who made this happen. All right, next matter on the agenda is item 14, new business agenda setting. Anyone have anything they want to raise for item 14? New business agenda setting. Okay, moving right along. There's just a listing of communications. Everything that's listed under communications is sent to the commissioners and we do read those. 
Do I have a motion for adjournment? And a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposition? None. We are adjourned at 1.28 p.m. Thank you, audience participants. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.